0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and bones and all, more like raw me by your name. <laughs> <laughs> it has multiple meanings, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. I'm not sure
1: if I can trust the Alamo Drafthouse menu for this movie, guys. Just saying. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata.
2: Finally, a movie that lets me say, eat me to you guys, and it won't seem weird.
0: Mm, I thought you were just coming on to me, Jeff, but (laughs) anyway, uh, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Bones and All, Uh, and before we get to that, of course, we've got some more I've been watching for you. We're going to open with some exciting film news and some Avatar The Way of Water follow-up. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com, email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com, find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at thefilmcastpod. And we're on TikTok as well at the Filmcast. Sorry, I realized that was not consistent this week. Um, But anyway, we're across (laughs) all platforms. We're posting videos on all those platforms. Check them out. Jeff is starting to go virals on the Tiki Talks this week. Mm. Oh, very exciting.
2: Yeah. It's my new career,
0: guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, on that note, the reason you're going viral, Jeff, is because of your opinions on Avatar The Way of Water. And I wanted how, to share how awesome my opinions were. You mean totally? I wanted to share some follow-ups uh, about Avatar: The Way of Water. Okay, so uh, let's just start off the bat and say we're, we won't talk about um, anything about the plot or spoilers for Avatar: The Way of Water in the conversation we're about to have. Um, but I did just want to say I'm very grateful for all the positive reception to last week's episode. I thought we got some very nice comments.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, people reaching out and saying they really enjoyed the conversation, congratulating us on 700 episodes. That's great. That was all very nice. Um, so thank you if you're one of those people. Mm-hmm. Now let's hear um, from everybody who agreed with you, right? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm, I'm, here's what I am going to say. Uh, we got this email from – I'll read a couple emails, okay? Mm-hmm. So th- these are mostly about the format. Of Avatar, which was shown in differing frame rates. I read, like, I wanted to correct something from last week's episode, um, which is just to reaffirm something that Davindra said, which is that uh, in Avatar The Way of Water, if you see it with high frame rate or variable frame rate, the frame rate changes throughout the course of the movie, and on last week's yeah. episode, I said there's no way James Cameron could have intended for it to be like this. And Davinder was like, "No, I think he might have." And uh, since oh, then, I, I said, "Absolutely."
3: I, didn't yeah, say yeah. I think sure, sure. Like I he was the commenting. Yeah, on yeah this but death.
0: yes, he has. He, he, I, I just wanted to reaffirm that, like, in the time since then, it's been made clear to me and brought to my attention that, like, yes. Um, how we're seeing it in avatar the way of water high frame rate is how james cameron intends he is in fact the president of the like variable high frame rate club you know he's been talking (laughs) about this for years yeah so this is the way so yes this is this is his intention and it is also one i don't like but that's okay um (laughs) i did read a rumor davindra but i'm not sure that like at times the frame rate actually went under 24 frames per second um i wonder i wonder if that's just he had more control right and maybe that was a way to do slow-mo
1: or something That'd no,
0: not, not slow-mo, just like less frames, like, like 12 frames per second. You know, just It looks very choppy by comparison. I don't, hmm. I don't hmm. know. I don't know. Like, I, I cannot confirm nor deny. I've tried to search for it, but like, it would I've certainly explain that. my experience um, yeah. watching a movie. Um, Chloe wrote into SlashFilmCastGmail.com saying, quote, I went to a Dolby 3D screening of Avatar The Way of Water at AMC, and I walked in five minutes late knowing I'd still have 15 minutes of trailers, only to find that the screen was black. No trailers, no pre-movie stuff, nothing. Oh, no. We were shortly thereafter informed something was wrong with the projector, but it would be fixed soon. When the movie started, I noticed immediately that the movie wasn't in 3D. Oh. Maybe it's because I'd seen the trailer in 3D and knew things were supposed to have more depth, but I took my glasses off. And sure enough, there was none of the blur or double exposure imagery that typically denotes a 3D movie. A couple of other people around me also took their glasses off. When I went to the bathroom at the midpoint, I noticed that nearly the entire theater still had their 3D glasses on despite the film not in 3D. And I have to mm. wonder, has it been so long since people saw a 3D movie that no one was able to tell the difference? Are these I, filmgoers going to leave the screening and tell their friends not to see the movie in 3D because it wasn't their experience lackluster? Were these people mm-hmm, enjoying mm-hmm. the film at all? I had a lot of questions that will forever be unanswered, end quote. I, I do
1: wonder, we had a whole conversation about being the the cinema hero, right? The movie theater mm-hmm. hero, being the person who goes up and says, hey, there's a problem <laughs> in my theater.
2: I need mm-hmm. to
0: see my Na'vi.
2: Or just... Stand up and go,
0: ladies and gentlemen, take off your glasses. <laughs> the movie is not in 3D and you're actively worsening your experience
1: <laughs> being lied to, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, but no, that, that, that's I wonder if this listener went up and asked or if anybody asked, because it's like if you get to the halfway point of a three plus hour long movie, that's that's rough. Uh,
0: totally. I I yeah. will say if you search on uh, let's say a popular social media app the phrase <laughs> um, "avatar IMAX projector," mm-hmm. you will be inundated with countless instances of projectors breaking down. Oh, yeah. it does seem like uh, this is a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. thanks yeah. for falling apart. The, I remember the the Blank Check folks just reviewed it, and uh, they had a similar issue in their New York theater. So it's like it's messed up all over the place.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so, like.
2: Well, it's like, um, if you, you know, you've got a Ferrari <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, you've only been driving it on uh city streets for the last 13 yep. years, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and never you really changed out. the oil or anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Then you take it out on the Autobahn. What's going to happen, Dave? What's going to happen <laughs> mm-hmm. when you're on the Autobahn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know,
0: Jeff, what happens in this <laughs> analogy, the thing breaks this, down, Dave. What, what's, yeah. Okay. So in this analogy is the projector, the Ferrari? Yeah. Sure. And, and, uh-huh. and Avatar, I'm the way the, uh, of water is, is the auto bond. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So the, the equipment is just not right. You know, I saw a, um, uh, viral video this morning, Jeff, of, um, uh, like a Lamborghini, like struggling <laughs> to drive through snow and <laughs> because it didn't have snow tires. Also
1: very think, low to the ground, so I
0: think snow, that might be yeah. only
2: one of the problems. Yeah, uh, you know, many, you know, many, many snow problems. tires there.
0: on it. I don't think it's doing well anyway. <laughs> you need ground clearance for snow. That struck, <laughs> that struck me as perhaps a, a a better analogy is like, uh, hey, mm. this thing that's designed to go, you know, in this way is it's hobbled. James Cameron's Maybe. Ferrari-esque vision for the future of cinema is hobbled no, by you've, the physical constraints. You changed the are, analogy. I'm yeah, trying to explain yeah. why the
2: projectors are breaking down. Mm-hmm, You're explaining mm-hmm. why the movie is not... Uh, it's, it's Jeff's, Jeff's
1: works because the projectors are built to do this. So... I'm, yeah, I'm saying it's yeah. been too
2: long since these projectors have I, tried oh, to do something I like see. this. I see. I get it. See, it all locked, it all locked into place for me. You know what? Mm-hmm. Every analogy is best when labored.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you need to explain every single part when when david yeah. chen forces you to explain every yeah when single the audience when yeah, yeah when your audience yeah. is mm-hmm. um we got we got a message from um jacob who wrote into slash from guest gmail.com uh about uh his experience seeing avatar you know i, I was curious about how people would view the high frame rate would, would make a difference. Jacob writes, I saw this movie with my parents. I didn't tell them it was high frame rate. And I asked them if they thought it looked weird. And they said, no, not really. <laughs> and I explained what was happening. And they just shrugged and said, yeah, that's not something I really pay attention to. Yeah. I agree that the hopping back and forth within a scene was weird, and I'm glad I saw it without HFR first. I enjoyed it when it was happening for the longer stretches, mostly. And like Top Gun and Screen X, it was a fun novelty, but not a definitive way to see it. The 24 FPS only version has to probably, has to... Um, has probably un- some unnatural motion blur because the shutter was faster. So that's the trade-off, but at least it feels more consistent, end quote. I will say, I I, I do think that we did see a variety of reactions to the HFR. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Similar to how we talked about on the show. Like, I hated it. Um, there's a lot of people out there that also didn't like it, but there's many people like for whom it worked for, like Divinger and Jeff, right? So I think mm-hmm. our podcast kind of reflected the broad spectrum of opinion on, on the high frame rate. there. So the wildest
2: thing about mm-hmm. this is, is, this is a movie that is going to be viewed this way only in one very small moment of time.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's
2: it's wild to me to think that this is the way this movie is meant to be seen, and yet, for most of recorded history, you're only going to be able to... Like, at least when the first Avatar came out, it kind of ushered in, you know, 3D TVs and 3D Blu-rays and stuff. I feel like that's <laughs> not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's going to be harder and harder to even see this movie the way it was... Meant yeah. to be seen, which is why I'm already have plans to see it multiple times in theaters. It's, it just it's a fleeting moment. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way things used to be, though, right? True. So we're, we're
1: going back to those it's old uh, beautiful cinema screens and people had tiny TVs at home. Uh, or not are, being
2: able to watch things at home at all. Back in yeah, the day.
1: Not at all. There yeah. are ways to get high frame rate um, at home, but you don't get the 3D right. So Gemini Man and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk have 4K Blu-rays. They go up to 60 FPS and they look really weird, but you don't get the extra depth of 3D because that that's too much data because then you're putting two video streams like on there. Yeah. So yeah, we have no way to do it. I don't think they'll ever make a way to do it.
0: I wanted to talk briefly about avatars box office performance. Um, a lot of questions about whether this movie will be the, the greatest or the number one movie of all time. Again, um, avatar, the way of water grossed $134 million domestically, $435 million globally. Uh, now, initially, that does not sound that high. Um, compare this to Spider-Man No Way Home, which uh, opened to $260 million. Um, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, $177 million. And Wakanda forever, $181 million. So initially it's like, oh, well, that it didn't do that well. Uh, however, consider the following. First of all, Avatar 1 in its opening weekend made $77 million. So yeah, on yeah. any conventional scale where you're like, the first movie made $77 million in its opening weekend, And the second movie made 134. That is a breakout hit, right? Like if this was not if this was a normal movie that wasn't Avatar, we would say that's a breakout success for a sequel. Okay, Um, but here's a question. I'm going to pose this one to Jeff Kanata. Avatar one made 77 million dollars in its opening weekend. Do you know what it made in its second weekend, Jeff?
2: Ooh, I would guess it went up, which mm-hmm. never happens, mm-hmm. but I'm going to guess it made 90 million. No, it,
0: no it, almost no movies go up. And I know, that's why I said
2: almost no, but I thought <laughs> uh, maybe but, this one did.
0: But Avatar, so a typical movie will drop 30, 50, 70% in its second weekend. Avatar dropped less than 2%. It made wow. $75 million wow. in its second weekend. It made $68 million in its third weekend. Um, and then kept going until it became the number one grossing movie of all time. So we won't really know uh, how well Avatar The Way of Water is going to do in the long term until probably you know the, the next weekend or the weekend after that, uh, and we'll see how far it drops. But opening numbers are really promising, and a significant percentage of that box office came from premium format, IMAX, Dolby. Um, there's a lot of speculation that people are just waiting until those screenings are kind of calm yeah. enough that they can go see it quote-unquote the way it's meant to be seen because they've been sold out for a while a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. it's hard it's work. hard to get into the imax screenings easy to get into the regular screenings so mm-hmm. uh but so far like when it comes to can james cameron prove that people are still interested in the world of Pandora and going back to the world tree um the answer is a unequivocal yes from mm-hmm. our audiences today so yeah also uh, uh ch-
1: china is like reopening to you and that's well, that's yeah. yeah that,
0: that that's actually a sad story. So first of all, yeah, I was just joking about Pandora and World Tree. I was using Jeff's malpropism yep, stuff. Yeah, I know. But um, the China, uh, the China story is a little bit mixed because it's, it's definitely all over the place. Yeah, because the uh, the original Avatar made two hundred sixty million dollars in China. Okay, um, th- it opened in China this past weekend uh, or recently, and it made only around fifty million dollars. Uh, that is way under projections and a lot of people are c- uh, attributing that to the COVID lockdowns that are going on in China mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, COVID may in fact COVID. end up impacting the worldwide take of Avatar The Way of Water in a huge way. So, I, it, it, but yeah. they are like
1: slowly opening up too and they're also feeling the impact. Two of being hit by COVID when so many people were locked down, so it's going to be a mix of everything for China. Unfortunately, yeah, we'll
0: we'll see people. Um, you know, the the analysis I'm reading is like not super optimistic that they're yeah. going to open up in a big way soon. So, yeah. uh, but but I do think it's worth saying, you know, uh, who knows whether the movie will do well enough to justify making three, four, and five. But three, three is done. Three is done. Yeah, but yeah, like I think four three and five, is happening four. no matter what. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, correct, correct. But four and five specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that. James Cameron has, again, proven his doubters wrong that, like, this movie is a hit, and uh, and the question now is just how much of a hit is it going to be? Is it going to be a history-making hit? Unlikely at this point, but it's going to be probably a big one.
2: We'll see. It's wild we'll see. to be working at that scale where you're yeah. judged by, are you going to be the biggest movie of all time? Like, mm-hmm. who... <laughs> Who has that th- that kind of pressure on their shoulders? Like, I mean, to
0: be fair, he put a lot of that pressure on him. He has said, yeah. like yeah. publicly, like I made a pitch to the studio. This is a p- movie that needs to be one of the top five movies of all time in order to be <laughs> successful. You know, like wild, yeah. Um, but yes, I, I would agree. I would agree that, like, it, it, under a conventional metric, you know, this movie is doing really well, right? So, uh, no, no question there in my opinion. Last thing I wanted to mention in terms of film news. Uh, Is we talked on the After Dark, which was released, like part of which was released publicly, uh, about the mess going on at DC and how DC Studios is not doing well when it comes to the transition of power uh, to James Gunn and Peter Safford, who are now running DC movies. Well, one other thing we didn't even mention, one other travesty we didn't even mention during that conversation was how uh, Warner has recently started removing HBO shows from. HBO Max. Uh, and, you know, th- this has this happened rarely in the past, but like never at the scale that it's currently happening. Uh, and apparently the reason for this is tax and accounting. It's Money. more financially yeah. advantageous to take them off and, and that this window is, is closing. And, uh, and so they need to like get these things off the service now and, and make it part of a write down is my understanding. But the big news is that Westworld is going to be one of the titles that's removed from HBO Max, which is, at, at one time was one of the biggest shows on HBO. Um, also, uh, The Minx is a show whose second season I think has basically been shot. It's yes. been made. Yeah, It was renewed yeah. for a second season. The second season was shot and then they're like, we're pulling it off the surface. Ugh, it's yeah. cancelled before it has even aired. Now, uh, that show may still appear on a, a competing service like Stars, but uh, this is shocking it's never happened at this scale before also the yeah. nevers raised by wolves uh the time travelers uh, time traveler's wife gordita chronicles love life made for love this is everything um,
1: we've been worried about with streaming right and yeah. these shows don't get physical releases so you can't just like have it in your collection you know correct so, Correct. stuff is rough
0: yeah yeah i mean uh westworld you can get a 4k blu-ray but like right right 80 of those shows you cannot buy on yeah. physical media. Like, I want cannot... to buy Station 11. Station 11. Station, Station 11. It is, there is no widely available Blu-ray mm-hmm. release of Station 11. You cannot even purchase it on yeah. transactional video on demand right now. There,
1: so there there was a whole thing. Like Patrick Somerville, the uh, the showrunner, said like, hey, people were pinging me. You, you could like do an order on demand thing on Amazon <laughs> for mm-hmm. some form of Station 11.
0: He had no clue. So something... Happen, but I don't know if people are actually getting discs. That that was the one that I was really afraid of, honestly. Yeah. It was like uh, Station 11 brilliant show. I'm like, I want to make sure I own that show. It's impossible right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was like a limited run Blu-ray, but like it's you you cannot easily buy it. Yeah. Um, so I think this underscores, hey, like for me, it underscores you have to own the stuff that you love. Gotta own the stuff.
1: Um, and also, like, what 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 do you think is gonna happen? It's gonna start it starts with P, ends with ASI. So uh you know, it's, it's going to get people the, doing a lot
0: of that stuff again. The Pagrassi, the Pagrassi. Uh, Pagrassi, Pagrassi High School be. remake yeah. is uh, <laughs> is going to be canceled? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I this is it's, it's yeah, stunning. It's,
2: it's, it seems like HBO Max, Warner, they're single-handedly trying to, you know... <laughs> return piracy to its to absolutely
1: (laughs) they're all winking at us like you guys know how to get this stuff don't don't even you know we know you know your uh was it the the fire tv boxes that people are buying with all the free movies and stuff like that that's a thing
2: it's availability and convenience and for a while Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there was there was such a convenience and availability that i i think we saw a huge dip in piracy yeah, and now it's. I, it feels like they're doing everything they can to bring it back. It's wild.
0: Yeah. Um. C- Catherine Van Erndonk over at Vulture wrote a great piece about how this time it feels different. Like with Westworld coming off, it feels very different. Yeah. Um. Because we we've never seen like th- that is a show that defined the network, right? Mm-hmm. Like that helped define yeah. HBO. Um, tens of millions of people watched it at its peak. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars making the show, uh, and so for them to just be like, "Yeah, it's not worth." having on the service anymore it's really shocking and also reinforces uh the need for a tv equivalent of the criterion collection Mm -hmm, you know like mm -hmm. there's no tv equivalent of criterion where it's like these are the greatest shows that we're going to preserve in some way uh and so and when you see a show like westworld removed um it it really makes you you know i'm like what's next like the leftovers the wire the sopranos you know um fortunately there's physical releases of many of those but i am mm-hmm. like the second there's a station 11 blu-ray i am buying it you know what absolutely I'm so first like they shout came factory... from
2: my infinity train and i said nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> you
1: know what i mean oh man rip infinity
0: train yeah but shout factory
1: does do a lot of that stuff it just doesn't have the prestige of a criterion but they do collect all sorts of tv shows and re-release mm. them
0: yeah but yes that that is true so no no you're the only there. one from what I can tell, no, yeah. no doubt there. But also, like they don't have a lot of these shows that you know yeah. a lot of these prestige shows. So, so anyway, uh, own the stuff you love. Uh, make sure you have a hard copy or soft copy, you know, whatever it is, because you never know when it's going to be taken away from you. But
2: hey, anyway. can I ask you guys about one other topic? And I, I didn't yeah. clear this beforehand. But I. I well, I why don't we you.
0: take a break first? Let's take a break. Yeah, first take a break. We, yeah, let's take my break. surprise topic. <laughs> we'll take a break for some some sponsors. We'll be
2: right back with Jeff's surprise topic. Let's take a break for a moment and talk about life insurance. If you are listening to this Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance Sponsorship ad, there's a good chance that you're alive. And if you're not, well, this may not be of interest to you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Life insurance? Uh, I'm going to live forever. Death is what happens to other people. Well, for the sake of argument, let's assume you're wrong. And that someday you won't be listening to podcasts anymore. I know. It's not easy to talk about, so I'll do the talking. If you're 50-plus and alive, or 50 to 75 in New York, you can apply for Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance with guaranteed acceptance regardless of your health. And since this life insurance is guaranteed, you don't have to get a medical exam. In fact, you don't even have to fill out a health questionnaire. For a free quote, just visit GerberLifeFamily.com then when you stop, I mean you know, if you stop listening to podcasts, your family can use the insurance money to help cover your final expenses or anything else your kids already inherited your ears, allergies and questionable singing voice, don't make them inherit your final expense tab too see the website for terms and restrictions all right, go ahead, Jeff. You know, we we were talking about the uh, Avatar box office, and uh, it it just wild to me. If you'd asked me five years ago, if you know, we would be comparing Avatar sequels box office to the Top Gun sequels box office <laughs> as far as a you know <laughs> yeah. metric for it's, it's it's pretty wild. And it then did
0: make more money than than Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick made around like one twenty seven, I think, opening weekend. So yeah, but yeah. Anyway.
2: Well, will it have the legs? Is the, yes. Is, yes. Or the wings? I guess. Would yes. be the more.
0: Or The fins, anyway, it, it, it'll dive, it'll fly, it'll do everything. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it made me think of this other thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys. Have you seen the new Tom Cruise uh spot that was released of him, you know, talking to the camera and then uh falling into open air? <laughs> I, I have I not.
1: I also wondered why you were sharing that with me, Jeff. Yeah, that's
2: well, yeah. a different thing. So, there's two different things that played. Oh, yeah. During the World Cup final. I saw it during the World Cup final and it played during the NFL, I think. And it's literally him just like on a plane with with uh mcg or not mcg um how <laughs> dare M- you McHugh. what yeah. sorry mcq yeah jesus very McG's close very <laughs> close symbols um <laughs> excuse me mcq uh he's he's in this plane and he's like hey i'm just so glad you guys have supported the top go." we got more things going and he just falls out of a plane and keeps talking like it's nothing and he's yes. like plummeting yeah. to earth just chatting with you yeah, yeah. incredible
0: yeah, uh, and that, then, that was to announce, I think, the upcoming uh, Paramount Plus streaming. Uh, yes, Top Gun Maverick, I believe. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway, uh, yeah.
2: And 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 clearly synergy with uh, Mission Impossible. And then a new thing just came out yeah. that I did share with you. That is yes. clear. This is why I want to bring it up because what a bizarre and unique way to promote a movie mm-hmm. which is release the behind the scenes footage before the movie has come out mm-hmm. sure. it, mm-hmm. it
1: happens it happens quite often actually yeah. does times. it yeah, yeah it does it happens all the time, featurettes all the time online. well
2: i don't know this uh, i guess that's true but i but this felt felt to me very uh very different this movie is is quite a ways off and they're showing the showing the planning and execution of the biggest stunt in the movie (sighs) yeah
0: so i have seen the trailer i have not i have not watched this video everyone i know has told me this video is incredible it's incredible i have not not watched it i'm gonna save my first viewing of that this is worse than the trailer though jeff yeah, I watch yeah. this.
2: Yeah. I I disagree it's, it's it's not the movie. It's not in con- it's not contextual. Yes, uh-huh, unfortunately uh-huh. I would like to it's not know that this stunt, stunt was, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. But I li- like to not know this stunt was happening. Yes, but I already knew this stunt was happening. So it is literally just the planning and execution uh, of this stunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah. it, it, and it and it's it is it is an extraordinary looks great. vision yeah. into the lengths that Tom Cruise will go mm-hmm. to entertain us and you know to test himself. And I feel like there is a list, and that list is Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Yep. Right? Yep. That's the list. There's no nobody else that does that. Is that right?
0: I have many complex thoughts on this. Yeah, know? there's um, a lot going on what, there. One
2: one is right. Obviously,
0: like. Uh, and people have pointed this out that, like tom Cruise uh ar- ar- arguably has facilitated and or encourages human rights violations through his religion, but putting that aside i I, I cannot deny what you're saying, Jeff, yeah. which is that but putting aside the, the cult, yeah, putting aside the cult, the guy has put himself on the line his his body on the line um to entertain us and uh, i I remember watching all the special features for I think it was fallout, and it's odd how many of the special features are centered around the idea that Tom Cruise actually did this incredibly dangerous stunt. Mm-hmm. um, Like it's like, they're, they're kind of like bragging about like he almost died, which is just a weird <laughs> thing in my opinion to brag about. It also makes me wonder um, like, I, I hope he doesn't like, I, I hope something doesn't, doesn't, doesn't but happen to I feel like he him. keeps testing it. So yeah, he keeps testing, you yeah. know? And uh, so, so that's also a thing that's on my mind, but then uh, I just watched like uh, my wife and I want, my wife wanted to watch like the action scenes from Top Gun Maverick this weekend. That's true love, by the way. Yeah, and she's yeah, like, let's yeah. put on Top Gun Maverick, which, by the way, I have on like 4K digital and the mm-hmm. um, it's cool because it actually fills up the the whole screen during the nice. IMAX sequences. So that's nice. Yeah. And I, I get really like uh, weepy at this part when, so extremely minor spoiler for Top Gun Maverick, but towards the end of the movie, there's the scene where he's standing on an aircraft carrier and he's like, He's looking into the ocean and he's like, talk to me, goose. And, you know, the the other army person or the not army, but the, the other military person is like, you're where you belong, Maverick, you know, and I, I get really emotional watching that, first of all, because the score is incredible, but also because the movie is about Tom Cruise, you know, the movie is not about Maverick, it's about Tom Cruise trying to um do he's he's a relic of an old era but he's doing what he knows how to do which is make old fashioned movies where people jeopardize their bodies for people's entertainment right and this is all tom cruise knows how to do basically at this point yeah and there's something despite all the other stuff around tom cruise there's something really poignant about that
2: you know i think that's beautiful and i think that's accurate but i also think there's there's a finer point on it which is Yes, there's an old school kind of movie where people risk their life to make the movies, but most of the people that risk their life weren't the stars of the movie. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. people that you know, they were they were stunt pe- people, and there still are. But you know, even more so in a bygone era, that literally died to make films, and oftentimes yeah. you have. You know, there's many stories of of you know, stunt people that lost their lives in the in the making of films. Rarer, I think. Is the stars of the film doing this, and which is why I think the list is Buster Keaton, Jackie Chan, and Tom Cruise. And I also think that that three, those three people, part of the allure, part of the, part of the the promise, part of the marketing. I mean, maybe a little early for Buster Keaton, but part of the idea about why you would want to go see that is that notion, is this meta-textual. You know this meta um, thing that you're witnessing, which isn't the context of the character in the movie. It's the context of the very, uh, the very well known star Mm -hmm. doing something that is risky. And I think you know Jackie Chan very much was selling that buster keaton very much was selling that and tom cruise mm-hmm. is very much selling that that yeah. which is why you see the advertisement for his movies are stunts like this the ad is a stunt yeah. you know like the hey cover of rogue
0: nation is tom cruise hanging off the edge of a plane you know like yeah. yes well yeah. not even yeah.
2: not even that but like this this thing we just saw which played during the world cup which is hey i'm tom cruise i'm talking to you but in order for you to listen to me talk to you <laughs> i have to be plummeting to the earth mm-hmm for real, yeah. like yeah. it's it's a wild thing that he's like moved into this space, yeah. That I think has only been inhabited by two other actors, unless you guys know of a of, yeah. of another. He's also a great,
0: that's a great pantheon, Jeff. FY, yeah, it's, I
1: it's, think it's, it's a, a good group. Pantheon. Yeah, my question is like clearly he's pushing things because like he can only do do this for so long. I feel like he has to do some some space thing. And they were like, um, there, there was chatter about him yeah. doing something yeah. around He's that. He's still doing that, right? Is there, I is think that still, that's still, in,
0: that's still yeah. a possibility. Is him, him doing a movie that's partially set in space or set in space? Um, but, uh, Jeff, in, in, from a movie marketing perspective, I'm going to tell you a story that here's my headcanon for how this all went down. They have been working on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Parts 1 and 2 for, I think, at this point, f- three years. Like, yeah. th- it was for shooting COVID. when COVID happened. Yeah. Right? So and they had to re-retool a lot of the stuff. I f- believe they spent around $290 million on the film so far, um, which make, is making it like the most, if not one, or one of the most expensive movies of all time. Uh Tom Cruise has unprecedented influence, not only at Paramount, but in the movie industry. He probably finished the stunt some time ago and he's like, you know what? I want to tell people I did this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell people how I did this and how much work went into this. And yeah. all the PR yeah. marketing people are like, well, Tom, that doesn't really make much sense because um, the movie doesn't come out for another six months. And he's like, I said, I want to tell people that I did this, you know. So th- that's my headcanon for how it all went down. But that's for the uh, yeah,
2: motorcycle stunt. But I, I like the, yes. the, the 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 air stunt is a different thing.
0: That's just a fun. That's just a fun goof. That's just a fun goof. <laughs> right? Fun that's goof. Just literally,
2: <laughs> that, that is literally like I am Tom Cruise. Yeah. Here, here is how I will t- communicate to you, audience, from now on, which mm-hmm. is in mm-hmm. order for me to just have a simple. Dial a simple monologue, <laughs> expressing my expressing mm-hmm. a new release onto streaming services. Uh-huh. I must potentially die. <laughs> it's
0: mm-hmm.
3: crazy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and and also kind of necessary <laughs> in the sense that it's our attention spans are so fractured these days. And you know, have you? Seen,
2: neither of you guys have seen either of these, or or you have? Seen I saw one the of
0: one of him diving out, uh, off of yeah. the plane.
2: It's just awesome that he how the thing that's so wonderful about it is that he's casual and (laughs) conversational and behind him Mm -hmm. earth is coming closer and closer
1: everything he does now is a flex right like he cannot do he cannot talk to people like a normal (laughs) human being without it being a flex somehow so you gotta love it well he is I, 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 I also
0: love how like it's not when you're so this is a video of Tom Cruise skydiving mm-hmm. out of a plane and it's it's basically to announce the release of Top Gun on Paramount Plus and uh, I I like how like it takes you as the viewer a while to realize like there's a camera person like diving with him you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like mm-hmm. yeah he's just like it's up close and then all of a sudden oh he's in the middle of the sky and uh, there's nothing around for hundreds of feet. Other than this yeah. camera person. So now, you, anyway, think,
2: yeah. you think maybe he's doing a selfie of some kind at, yeah, you know, because yeah, he's yeah, so close yeah. to you, and then they separate. It's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I, again, extraordinarily problematic figure in a number of levels. <laughs> yes. And I'm not, I do not want to discount that. Yeah. But yeah. also, superhuman. I think uh, he a mortal. I mean, yeah. The, the other thing that's that's always a part of these feature is the <laughs> stunt person de jour coming on camera and going, I've never experienced anyone like Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? like, like, like
0: you have like a jet fighter person, like pilot yeah. who's like, I've never seen someone learn it this fast. You
2: yeah. Know, like, everybody's like, he's yeah. a machine. I don't yeah. understand. He, yeah. he, I've spent 40 years of my life <laughs> <he's> learning <laughs> this and Tom Cruise found it in a week. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's crazy.
0: Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box <laughs> of scraps. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, uh, but yeah, if if this is the stuff they're releasing now, Jeff. I know. You know, who knows what they're going to put out when Dead Reckoning Part 1
2: approaches he did, release. He did say it's the mm. biggest stunt in our movie. And I'm like, well, mm. are you really going to shoot your load now? Yep. Like, uh.
0: July 14th, 2023, guys.
2: A date that will be
0: long remembered. It's okay, it's sooner than you think, yeah. Uh, that's a bunch of the film news we wanted to discuss today. Devinder Hardwar, let's talk about what we've been watching. Sure. Hit us up, Vinger. Hit us with a few things you've been watching this week.
1: A couple of things in the movie I've been meaning to see for a long time because of the uh, the slander on this <laughs> year <of> podcast <laughs> is Charlotte yeah.
0: Wells' After Son. Yes. Now this has widely been regarded as one of the best films of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jeff and I both strongly disliked it. I, I, I predict. I've, it- he- I've heard it
1: described as like watching somebody's family uh, videos, right? Mm-hmm. Like home yes. videos. Yep. Uh huh. You nailed it, Jeff. Yep. Yeah. I just have to say, how dare you! <laughs> Because this this movie really is a work of art. And I'm not just doing this to make fun of you guys. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I genuinely love After Sun. But because it is a very quiet and intimate movie, it's a movie about a father and a daughter, you know, on vacation at some point in the 90s. And, you know, we, we learn that, you know, it's the daughter kind of reflecting on her past and her memories of her father. And there's just something really beautiful about this movie. And I think it's really because it's... Um, there's so many things going into it but i think paul mescal who um kind of uh broke out in normal people and i loved him there he is an incredible actor like just the 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 level of like internal drama that he can reflect um i love watching him and i love watching him basically struggle to give his you know young daughter a decent vacation while dealing with his own inner demons um and then the young daughter, played by um, Frankie Corio, who is also fantastic. Like these, these are actors. These are this isn't like an actual father and daughter, but I felt it watching this movie. Um, so yeah, it, it it's a lot of like mundanity. It's a lot of seeing them on vacation, like a cheap uh, Turkish resort, I believe. And I could totally get why. You know, it, this just seems like why? Why am I watching them? Just like. Doing, doing dumb stuff, you know, and just hanging out on vacation. But I think what's brilliant about this movie is that it is it is like quietly poetic. It's a movie showing us this relationship and how kind of messy it is, but also how sweet they are together and how it, it brings to mind lots of things, you know, it brings to mind the way we think of our parents, you know, and our relationships with our parents. If you go back and maybe we didn't fully know what they're going through, or maybe we knew more than they thought we did. And this movie also kind of reflects that too, so i I think it is a beautiful father daughter um exploration. it's a a beautiful exploration of memory and kind of how it affects us too. The movie does some really interesting editing to kind of get that going, but it's also very oblique, right? It's not giving you it's not telling you everything that's happening, but we get a sense of dread. We get a sense of like what is happening um vaguely. and I found that just really, really affecting so Honestly, I, I wish I could have just sat and watched more of these two because I feel like maybe I wanted more from what the movie was telling us or what it was actually trying to say. But I, I love this movie, guys. So, yeah, um, I'm sorry it didn't work for you, but I, I can genuinely see like why it is so um, beloved because I'm, it's really something special.
0: I'm so glad, A, you liked it, and B, that we have... One positive yes. review of this movie on the film I, cast. I agree. Lest I have to, say, lest I had to our, save this. lest our credibility be completely exterminated in the critical community. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for that, Divendra. But the movie is After Sun. Uh, it's available. I think in limited release. It will be on on P VOD soon. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But Divendra love that loved P-Vod. It yeah you know, uh davindra loved it uh, jeff and i did not um your mileage may vary yeah
1: do, do not have your phone out during this movie right do not do not maybe even don't like snack like it's, it's a movie that wants you in there following it and i think that is very rewarding it
2: feels like it is a movie you need to go to a movie theater just i, yeah. I went to a movie theater it to see does. it yeah. yeah yeah i was yeah. trapped with this movie i couldn't yeah. do anything uh, and i yeah. feel like that's the best way to watch it because i think if i had been hmm. watching it at home i would have turned to a yeah. second it, it,
0: I did watch it at home and it was a struggle. Mm -hmm. It was a struggle. That's because there's so much going on. But also
1: I I would say the difference between this and just watching home movies is that, uh, home movies are typically not, um, you know, put together and edited by an artist, you know, who's actually trying to convey something with these scenes of mundanity. And I don't know. I, I like that. I like a movie that makes you kind of work for it. And there is something here. There is like a core here that I feel is deeply affecting.
0: All right. That's after sun. And it is unlimited release. right Now, Davindra Hardware, what else have you been watching yeah. this week? I also watched Armageddon Time, James Gray's movie that's sort of about his life
1: and things he's, he was going through as a child in Queens. Um, it's, this is a very weird movie. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I it's have. like, yeah, it's, it's about his life. And he grew up in Queens, guys, and uh, confronting the potential horrors of racism, confronting the ways that he didn't stick up for his one black friend. Um, This movie is strange because I feel like compared to The Fablemans, which felt super glossy and like very, it didn't feel like it was like working through things. It didn't feel like it was challenging the past or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I really Mm -hmm. like The Fablemans. It's super entertaining. Um this movie is kind of interesting because um it is a director saying man I I really messed up when I was a kid like I could have done more and you can kind of feel the guilt in here um but it's also a very strange film too because that's only just one part of it another part of it is like him going to a school that is uh was sponsored by a Trump's father too and they play a big role in this too it you know it's a movie that's like looking at our society by giving us a glimpse of was it the 70s or 80s um and it, it's trying to like respond to us in that way i just find it kind of unique and interesting i like james gray it didn't fully work for me though because part of me is wondering like who is this movie actually for It feels like this movie is mainly for james gray and saying like man i really screwed up when i was a kid
2: mm-hmm. and
1: i i wish it kind of had gone more deep or something with that so mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's Armageddon time, Jeff. I know this is a movie you actually really liked, right?
2: Uh no, I wouldn't oh. say that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I really liked it. Um, Sorry, it's, I, you know, I found it, uh, certain parts of it compelling, but no, I, I it, mm-hmm. it was not a movie that I loved. Got it, got it. Uh, I, I have heard
0: mixed things in general about it. So um, yeah. that's Armageddon time, and I believe you can rent or stream it right now uh, on video on demand. Yeah. Divino. What else you watching? I want to shout out
1: Fleischman is in trouble that Jeff talked about a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And also would to say like, God damn, this show is incredible. Yes. Like, it is my wife and I are like going through it very quickly. We're about halfway through right now. And it starts with being a show about Jesse Eisenberg dealing with um you know the fallout of his divorce and uh ha- having basically a new life and finding how funny and exciting being single in New York can be. Um but it's also a show like about the reckoning of a relationship and how things fall apart and also how your friends kind of see you too. It's really really fascinating. Um so I would say typically I I don't I don't really enjoy seeing shows about like upper east side new yorkers because i find like that specific area of new york to be really annoying you go there to go to the museums and that that's kind of it um but i think the show is kind of fascinating because it, it is sort of like an anthropological text i think just showing us the way uh folks live there it also shows us like different uh different shades of jewish life too and that that just add some really nice texture to the show. But do you have to say Claire Danes is incredible in this. She's doing a lot of Claire Danes face where I think she does some of the best face acting of, of anyone out there. We have learned this in Homeland and so many other things. And Lizzie Kaplan, Lizzie Kaplan narrates most of this show, which is, um, was produced and show run by the actual, by the author of the original book too. Um, and her voice and the way she carries that voiceover, I think is just really, she's really good it's not just like somebody reading words off a screen. Like she's actually doing something really interesting with the voiceover and you kind of, you know, you learn over time, like the perspective, of where the show begins, maybe, maybe a little like um, shifted depending on her perspective too. So I don't know. I, I find it really, really fascinating, really interesting. It's a great New York show, but also a great show about you know just people struggling to to find themselves post uh, post marriage and also dealing with kids. Like it's, it's having friends as an adult. It's covering a lot, and I think it's always entertaining. It's a it's a joy. So I think you'd really appreciate it, Dave.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of the best shows on TV and no one's talking about it. And yeah. I don't understand right. why.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's Fleischman is in trouble, and I will add it to my list. Um speaking of Lizzie Kaplan, do you guys see a uh, Party Down is coming back?
3: Yeah, yeah Party Down without
0: Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, yeah, without Lizzie Kaplan, but she was in the first two seasons and love that show. Yeah, uh, and who'd have thought who'd have thought only the era of streaming, which by the way is rapidly coming to an end. Oh yeah. Um, February twenty-fourth, twenty twenty three, new season of party down. So this feels uh, like
2: a rut road to me. I, I wanna be wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't know I've, i i don't know what that show is now. Mm-hmm. Like with mm-hmm. them all older. I it would we be were, I mean
1: we were watching them as losers back then. Are they still losers right. now? Like is that the story? Because right, many team... of
0: them many of them have been like you know, all of them had like some Hollywood career, but now like, many of them have like a massive Hollywood career now, you know? so I'm just, I'm yeah. worried this
2: is a an Arrested Development situation, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Perhaps, perhaps. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with more of what we've been watching right after
2: this. Hey, got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. Have you ever been at the dentist? And the dentist is like, oh, hey, uh, so how often are you flossing? And you're like every day lying through your teeth lying through your teeth that you're flossing every day you're not flossing every day well guess what quip makes it easy to stop lying to your dentist build better habits and try feel-good flossing with their new rechargeable cordless water flosser The rechargeable cordless water flosser hits all the right spots with gentle or deep clean pressure at the touch of a button. It has an extra wide lid that fits right under the faucet and fills up in seconds. And the cordless rechargeable battery lasts up to eight weeks with daily use. No bulky charging dock or tangled cords. It blasts away plaque and, you know, popcorn, if you're like me, with precision thanks to the 360-degree rotating magnetic floss tip that snaps into place. Easy-to-control water flow that leaves you feeling squeaky clean, and it's got that sleek and slim design to keep your countertops as clean as your teeth. Trust me, take the plunge into feel-good flossing. Go to getquip.com filmcast right now to get your first refill on floss tips Brush heads and more for free. That's free. Getquip.com slash filmcast spelled G E T Q U I P dot com slash F I L M C A S T. Quip the good habits company.
0: All right, Devendra. Anything else you've been watching this week?
1: I also want to shout out another, uh, honestly, one of the best things on TV that I don't think many people are talking about, except maybe within horror communities, is a uh, interview with the vampire which is a new show that's on AMC Plus it's a modern retelling of the Anne Rice book and guys just have to say holy shit this show is is incredible because um, it, it is doing some really interesting things interesting things to like bring the story to today um, i think it's more interesting than the movie which was always it was a great that movie was like a nice aesthetic piece i think like it always looked cool and it had a great vibe i just never fully uh, fell in love with it but the show just goes deeper it goes deeper into the relationship between Lestat the vampire and Louis de Pointe du Lac, and the actors playing them are also incredible. It it does things I don't think the original movie could have done. Maybe in the '90s, like queerness and the idea of um, of just being attracted to somebody of your same sex is is something like the show just leans into. It it is a, a actual part of it, and I always felt like the movie. Kind of shied away for it, or just like would hint at it, but you couldn't really do that with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in the '90s. Um, I think this show's incredible—like, great vibe, um, great, just great production values. Um, not, not a huge spoiler here, but like, it's it, it still involves a journalist um, played by Eric Bogosian uh, who's going back to interview, you know, these vampires, and it takes him in the beginning of the series, in the first episode, he goes to Dubai. To a vampire's lair in Dubai, I'm like, that is probably the single worst place you'd want to be if you were a vampire. (laughs) Desert. Desert. Yeah. Big sun, no, not many things covering you. And just like the way it looks, the production of that lair, the story that's actually telling is interesting too, because like it's multi layered, right? Um, In this show, uh, Louis is played by a black actor. So it can actually talk about his experience in New Orleans and his family's experience um Lestat is still like this uh vague european person who's coming to like take over or uh, you know start some business or something but that makes him intriguing as well and i think they're just there's just so much going on it can be brutal when it needs to be it can be romantic when it needs to be and sexy when it needs to be and it's just like very very well written and well acted so if you liked the book if you thought the movie was good but didn't you know maybe didn't go as far enough as you'd like I think it's worth checking out. Um, this is just great, great stuff. Um, you just have to subscribe to AMC Plus to see it.
0: I have heard it, great things about the show, um, but I, I'm, I'm unlikely to get to it in the new feature because I got this Fleischman in trouble I got. And you gotta got watch that. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's, it's,
1: honestly, it's good to go back and forth between them because Fleischman mm-hmm. is pretty, even though it gets heavy, like it's a pretty light show, I think it's always like fun to watch. Whereas this is like, this goes like deep, deep Gothic at times and the score is so good and man, it can be brutal. I, I freaking love this.
2: I like the movie because Tom Cruise did all his own blood sucking. Yeah,
1: all, all his
0: flying, <laughs> his floating in the sky, yeah. he did that himself. It was
2: incredible, mm-hmm. incredible, even back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's Interview with a Vampire on uh, AMC Plus and AMC, and that's what Devinder Hardwar has been watching. Let's talk about some stuff I've been watching. So I had a chance to watch Sam Mendes' newest film, Empire of Light, mm. which I think is the third, if not fourth film, uh-huh. released released by an auteur director this year that is about that director's childhood that deals with racism in some major way. Yeah, um, yeah. And this is probably... I haven't seen Armageddon time yet, um, but unfortunately, in my opinion, Empire of Light is not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, That's why I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I have I heard very mixed buzz about this movie heading into it, and I was like, you know, I'm going to give it a chance. Seb Mendes... The guy who made you know, uh, 1917 and American Beauty and Revolutionary Road, you know, like uh, obviously very talented person, and he wrote this one, and it's about the magic of movies. By the way, that's another thing; it's also about the magic of movies. Um, COVID, and- man,
2: COVID made people mm-hmm. reflect. Mm-hmm,
3: you know,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so also stars Academy Award winner Olivia Colman, who plays the protagonist in this uh, in this movie, and I had heard mixed things, and I'm like, how 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 could this movie go wrong with that pedigree, these actors, and it's about the magic of movies, which is a thing that I love avatar, the way of water review, notwithstanding. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I guess the way I would describe this movie and like why it's disappointing is it ultimately just feels incomplete from a story perspective. Like it feels like, okay, they're bringing up this, uh, like, like Olivia Coleman's character, uh, it's revealed very early on in the movie has had some kind of medical issues. And so we go, oh, we're, and I'm curious where that's going. And and the, the place that it goes is not particularly interesting or satisfying, in my opinion. Um, but also, uh, for a movie called Empire of Light that's theoretically about the magic of movies, it doesn't really spend that much time reflecting on the magic of movies in my opinion um and so it ends up kind of not really being about anything to any meaningful degree uh and unfortunately i found it to be like overall f- fairly dull and it, it's one of those movies where you get to the end and you're like that's it that's the whole movie you know <laughs> um so I, I i unfortunately was not a huge fan but it's always great to see olivia coleman and stuff and yeah Mike's awesome michael ward uh is, is a relative newcomer he's he's appeared in some things but uh, this is a major role for him, and he's awesome in this movie. So it's great to see, like, kind of a new talent break out in this movie in the form of Michael Ward, an actor uh, who plays kind of opposite Olivia Coleman for much of the film. Um, but uh, o- overall, wasn't a huge fan. I will say one other thing about this movie, which is that this year we have putting aside like director's childhoods, uh, director's childhoods, director childhoods. We have seen three movies come out. Arguably four, if you can't can't Bar- Bardo by uh, uh-huh. Iñárritu, uh-huh. um, which is like like best director, Academy Award-winning directors making movies about the magic of movies. Specifically, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of The Fablemans, Babylon, and Empire of Light. And I think it reflects a deep anxiety on the part of these directors who who have literally achieved the highest honor there is to achieve in their field, right? Mm -hmm. Which is to get the best, you know, the Academy award for best director. Um, It reflects a deep anxiety on their part that like those days are over, right? Like the days of the magic of movies are over. Um, There is a new era now, one that is dominated by IP consolidation. um, Television also. And television, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And it's, sad that a that is true B that they feel that way um but it's also really just fascinating to kind of see how each one of these directors takes on that topic in a very very different way with and it, it's a very kind of um specific to each director like with the fable fablemans it's like a kind of uh at its worst you could describe it as like a saccharine and sappy Family coming of age story at its best, you could say it's like a very earnest, emotional, heartfelt tribute to to movies and love of movies. Babylon is just an outrageous, bombastic time, you know that is kind of inspired by the likes of P. T. Anderson and Martin Scorsese in terms of its style, and it's just really out there, and it's very kind of similar to the Chazelle that we saw in Whiplash and La La Land. Um, And then Sam Mendes, of course, makes a ponderous, slow paced you know uh, kind of play like drama with these people kind of in the small seaside British town um, who work at a dying movie theater. And and it's like, it, it's a different take, but they're all saying the same thing, which is weren't the movies magic guys? Weren't well, yeah, the but magic? I mean, I you think
2: know? honestly, if you look at it, there are, these are filmmakers of different generations, mm-hmm. but they are all generations that went into a room that wasn't their house looked up at a giant screen saw a projector shooting light on it and were inspired to do that for a living yeah and what they see around them is that reverence for that experience absolutely fading away they just there's an entire generation of of young people who just have no reverence for that that is not Mm -hmm. that is not the inspiration point that is there's no feeling that there's anything special about going to the movie theater Uh, You you have screens all around you and the content is king and however I can consume it, I will consume it. And I think that that is, uh, that's a sea change that is being reckoned with by all these people whose livelihood and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and dream life and all all the things they've aspired to are sort of being devalued by an entire generation of people.
1: Well, why watch scripted content when you can watch influencers, mm -hmm, right? And watch mm -hmm. them
0: all day. Yeah. So well, yeah. W- w- well said, Jeff. And also, I'll say um every one of those movies has that shot mm. of a person in the theater looking yes. up at the light on the screen. You know, and yeah. it's like <laughs> that that moment holds magic for many directors, and it's a moment that probably is going to be lost you know, to a lot of people. So yeah. And anyway. you can
2: argue, you know, Tarantino's been doing that with his last couple of films too, um mm, in no, a different, totally. very different way. But totally. yes, totally. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. No, very good, very good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's Empire of Light. I didn't love it. I want to mention this other movie I saw called EO. EO. Uh, Davindra, you mentioned this movie a few weeks ago. This is Mm -hmm. a prequel to Captain EO
2: before he Mm -hmm. gets promoted. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, This is a movie about a donkey. Love it. Donkey. It's about a donkey who wanders around um, having adventures. That's basically kind of the whole the whole movie. Big big Um, year for donkeys, to be
2: honest. (laughs) Big year for donkeys. Love Mm -hmm. them. Love a donkey.
0: You should see EO. Which, by the way, I I don't even know. Like, I watched this on a screener. I don't even think you can see it in theaters. I imagine it will be available in video demand in the near future. Mm -hmm. Um, You should see EO because there's no other movie like it. That's uh, why I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I will say that, like, you know, I saw Gunda. Uh, which is a, 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 another movie that's about animals. Mm-hmm. It's about like a, a few animals and it takes place entirely in black and white. There's no dialogue in the entire film. And it basically just follows a pig through its life. And it's a fascinating movie. I really liked Gunda a lot. Yeah. I Eo, talked about Cow recently. Yeah. You talked about Cow, Andrea Arnold's yeah. movie, Cow, recently, right? And uh, I'm sure that's very different than both Gunda and EO. Because oh, I EO, sell the
2: shell, <laughs> oh, you, goes in that same category. How? It's true
0: dare you? Um, <laughs> EO is really, really different than Gunda. It's like stylistically Gunda's opposite. Um, it's impressionistic. There is heavy use of you know, really modern camera techniques like point of view shots and uh, heavy sound mixing and just really creative camera angles and uh, dreamlike sequences that don't even, you don't even know where you are when these things are happening. Um, but it's about like this, this donkey who like wanders around and like encounters these humans. And then you kind of like are exposed to, um, their situation. Think of like, think of like Banshees of Inishirin mm-hmm. from the donkey's perspective.
1: More like Warhorse. <laughs> wow. You know, Warhorse yeah, yeah, war.
0: war is a great, another great example, right? But basically yeah. like, you know, like imagine like the donkey like wanders into these two people's like feud. <laughs> And then, like you get a you get a, like a little taste of like what's going on. And then, like the I, donkey, I would watch
2: that movie. I'm just the donkey. You, like, you're making w- me yeah. want to watch this real bad, Dave.
0: Yeah. And then the donkey like wanders off and goes to, like encounters another group of people and like what their situation is. <laughs> and there is just some wild sequences in this movie. Um, just like, but but I I you know I don't think the movie accomplished what it was trying to accomplish with me personally, which is like it wants you to see that these creatures like these, this donkey, Eo, like has a soul and has a personality and so on. I did not see that personally. I thought the donkey <laughs> was very cute. You know, I, I, and I do think like animals like have consciousness. Right. But you I didn't say get, F I, this donkey. No, no, but yeah. I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't get that through the film is what I'm trying uh-huh, to say. Uh-huh. Um, but what I did get through the film is this idea that like, wow, humans suck. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like when you view humanity through the lens of somebody who does not give a crap, about our problems it's like man humans are so destructive and and hateful and irrational all the time you know and it's just, it's just kind of like what you know it's like what if you viewed humanity through donkey's eyes you know and it's like um all donkey wants to do is eat some vegetables and see some cool things <laughs> and that's that's and wander the fields and see some cool things and that's like a good life yeah know? i'd like that life i'd like yeah. that life so uh, i think it's worth checking out cuz it's so weird and interesting and out there it's one of those movies where if it was pla- if it was like projected against a wall in an art museum it would feel right you know like that's mm-hmm. it's just some of the sequences and the visuals are so weird and i'm just going to say you know actually you know i don't want to spoil it i'll just you know, i'll just <laughs> i'll be even more vague and i'll say that like there is a an actor that shows up towards the end of the movie that is uh, really awesome and uh, I'm not going to say who it is, and I'm not going to say what they do, but when they showed up, I was like, "Shit's about to get real," and it did. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so that is the movie EO, and I don't even know how you can watch it. I watched it via a screener, but uh, I really, I, I, I liked it. I think it's worth checking out. So, uh, okay, we're running a little short on time, so I will maybe skip Harry and Megan, which I watched all six hours of this past week, mm-hmm. and perhaps talk about it next week. But Jeff Canada. um. Tell us about what you've been watching this week. I uh,
2: I checked out the new, new Netflix film from Guillermo del Toro, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Either of you guys watched this? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I,
0: I watched the first hour and then I had to take a break and I'm planning to get back to it this week. I know, like you know, I had some. Um, it's I'd never like to watch a movie in parts, you know, but I watched yeah. the first hour and I was intrigued um, because the movie. Really does make the story of Pinocchio feel as horrifying as it should be, right?
2: I guess is that, <laughs> it should be is a strong term, I guess, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it is, it does make uh, Pinocchio horrifying. It, <laughs> if you said to yourself, you know what, you know what Pinocchio needs, it needs Jiminy Cricket explaining mm-hmm. to Pinocchio. What grief is mm-hmm, it, You know mm-hmm. what Pinocchio needs. Mm-hmm. It needs a song about death. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. You know what Pinocchio needs? Mm-hmm, it needs mm-hmm. a sequence when Geppetto is drunk off his ass and crying himself to sleep. You know what? You know what Pinocchio needs? It needs fascism to be mm. front and center and fascist youth. You know what Pinocchio needs? Pinocchio needs to be tempted into the military to support Mussolini. You know what Pinocchio (laughs) needs to make it That's how you really like
1: this movie, Jeff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think this movie is uh, swinging for the fences. First of all, this is a stop-motion film. I love the art of Mm stop-motion filmmaking. I think it is intriguing and gorgeous at its best. Uh, I am always compelled by it. There is no other form of filmmaking that is so immediately and obviously effortful. You see the work in stop motion filmmaking. W- knowing how stop motion filmmaking is made and watching it on the screen, you cannot deny how the human toil. It is easy to perhaps set aside watching avatar the way of water the 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 work the toil a computer image on a screen you go ah well the computer did most of that you know it is easy to set aside you know you see tom cruise doing an amazing uh, stunt in a movie movie you go wow that was that was cool it probably took a lot of work but you don't really well watching a stop motion film There's something about it, some tactile thing where you go, Mm -hmm. somebody moved that tiny little thing.
1: You can feel the effort every single frame. Every frame! Yeah.
2: And there's something I appreciate about that. There's something very um, magical about that. There's something uh, awe-inspiring about that. And I am certainly inspired to awe by Pinocchio. It is some of the most high-quality, just utterly spectacular stop-motion filmmaking that you can see it is of of such craftsmanship of such artfulness it is uh, spectacular to behold just the pure uh animation of these of these still objects and the level of craftsmanship in in creating them all the all the incredible techniques that were used to to bring these these tiny little puppets to life so expressive so so fluid in their movements it does not feel like it Stop motion movie uh, during some sequences it, it feels like cgi it is that seamless and beautiful so i i really enjoyed watching it on just a purely technical level um this movie is fucking dark i mean it is dark uh it it, it puts you through a ringer and you know i i supp- I, I respect what is, being, uh, what is being accomplished here? I spe- respect what is del Toro swinging for the fences and using Pinocchio as a hammer to investigate these kinds of feelings of, of, of grief, of, of <laughs> honestly, of the rise of fascism. It's a very timely, sadly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing to be talking about. However... It's a bummer to watch this movie. It's there's no. It's, it's, yeah. Not a kid's movie. Not a kid's movie. Do not, do not sit down with your children to watch <laughs> Pinocchio. Oh, uh, the, uh, the, my biggest criticism for this movie, honestly, and, uh, Dave, you may disagree. Both of you may disagree when you watch it. Um, but I, I really feel strongly that this movie only works if you have the context of the Pinocchio story already like it only works as a commentary on pinocchio. It if you just if this movie was re- created in a vacuum and ne- and you had never heard of pinocchio, never had the disney movie, never knew of that tale at all, it would be it would be barely coherent. It it doesn't make any sense except as a reaction hmm. to a use of a commentary on a story that we know and and we all you know we all are very familiar with
0: I, uh yeah i mean i don't disagree that it is those things i don't agree that it is necessary to enjoy the movie but i agree that it is in dialogue in some ways with our conception of pinocchio for yes sure. I think, but I, I don't. I don't think it's. I do not think it's necessary. Like, if this is your first exposure to Pinocchio, it would be completely coherent,
2: in my opinion. I disagree. You, I think. I think the movie would ma- would you would you would be baffled at the decisions that are mm. made in this movie, and they be, they are only made because there is this other work. Um, oh, it it reminds me. It's basically really. This movie, you, you,
0: you, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. This
2: so. movie yep. is American McGee's Alice. If anybody is familiar with that mm. video game, yeah, yeah. Um. America McGee's Alice is a, is a very old video game at this point that probably few people even remember, but uh, is a video game version of of Alice in Wonderland, but takes those characters and perverts them and does interesting things with them, uh, makes it very much more adult and violent, and and comments on the Alice in Wonderland story. But it only works because you know Alice in Wonderland. It, it is a it is a take. It is a cover story. It is a it is like mm-hmm. oh look at how, you, this is that. You know the a version of the song that's slowed way down and done trippy, and it's like, well, that's a cool version of the song, but it kind of needs you to know the original version of the song to understand why it's cool. you know what I mean? um it's like you know it's like what if Abba but like emo you know um
0: <laughs> i I'm yeah, I'm a little bit I confess I'm a little bit confused, like because obviously the story the the pinocchio. Are you saying you need to know the Pinocchio Disney movie or the original story
2: on which Pinocchio was based? Is is uh, You have me at a loss because is this closer to the original story upon which Pinocchio is based? I don't that's, think it is. Th- okay. Um, I, I, I mean, could be wrong, though.
0: I, I mean, that's that's my understanding. I, you know, the original Pinocchio is like very dark.
2: Is it? Um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe this is closer to the original. Maybe I'm that's speaking out of my saying. ass.
0: Yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. But okay, I anyway. feel mm-hmm.
2: uh, if this is in fact a a hues closer to the original tale of pinocchio than uh, you know i'm i obviously am uh, a a product of my upbringing in my culture where the pre- prevalent pinocchio tale that i know is disney's version right? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean it, uh, it I mean,
1: always seemed like there was an undercurrent of grief you know like an older guy certainly. really really wishing sure. to have a son's like something happened there in his life to really to really set this in motion i've always felt
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, th- that is very much, a, 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 a undeniable, a facet of the, of the tale. Mm-hmm. This movie leans into it in, in, to such a degree. It, it is a, it is a horror story. Um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, there, there are sequences where Geppetto is railing at Pinocchio and, 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 you know, and, and calls him a monster. I mean, it is, it is extremely dark, uh, and extremely adult. And, you know, it, it is entirely possible that I am just, you know, ignorant to the original tale of Pinocchio, to which this is much uh, much more um, authentic. And, and if that's the case, then, you know, I, st- I still stand by what I'm saying in the context of releasing it on Netflix, right? B- where mm-hmm. the most of the people watching it will probably have my experience, uh, which is being very familiar with Pinocchio as a Disney story. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and I, you know, and I I do think the movie is, is, is very powerful and very beautiful and certainly worth watching. Uh, I found it to be too dark for my taste personally. And um, I, you know, as much as it has a lot to say, I just found it, uh, uh, you know, I, I found it to, to not really stand on its own. It it, it really just felt like it was a uh, commentary and, and. Mm -hmm. And, and perhaps I'm wrong about that, but that's well, how uh, I received he, so it. So
0: here, here's my understanding is, uh, it, it it is based off of the original story, but he made t- tons of changes to the story, like really huge changes to the story. Yeah. So maybe we're both wrong, Jeff, you know?
2: <laughs> that wouldn't be the first
0: time, Dave. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But I'm sorry you didn't like it that much, or it, it, yeah, it sounds like you liked I, I, the I mean, artistry, but you weren't a fan of like the story that they chose to tell with this.
2: That's correct, yeah.
0: But I, I do think, you know, yeah, I mean, there's probably you're, you're probably more right about this, you know, re- with regards to its relationship to the Disney Pinocchio than I, than I am. But for me, I'm like, well, I don't think it's wrong to like go back to the original story and like have a different take on it.
2: Not at which all, I, which I think I, is I, what I, he tried to do. Right? So, I don't yeah. want you to read my comments as as saying that. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm a fan of going back to the original and and having a new take on things. It just for me, it really felt like. This movie was commenting on our our relationship with the Pinocchio story, yeah, yeah, which which I think is presupposed by the filmmakers in this case.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and it is streaming right now on Netflix. Let's take one last break for sponsors, and we'll be right back with more what we've been watching.
2: Hey, it's time to tell you about our sponsor, Sizzle Pitch. You're a movie fan or else you wouldn't be listening to this show. Are you the kind of movie fan who loves a movie special features? Oh, it's one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things, special features, behind the scenes. Do you wish you had more access to behind the scenes, the making of movies? Or maybe you are a filmmaker yourself looking for ways to learn more about the filmmaking process. Then Sizzle Pitch is perfect for you. Sizzle Pitch gives anyone access to making movie magic with zero experience required by helping create sizzle reels, which are mini film projects that filmmakers use to show what their idea could become in a feature film or TV show. Barbarian, Deadpool, The Matrix, awesome movies. That all started as sizzle reel proof of concepts. With sizzle pitch, you'll get to choose from a variety of genres, including horror, comedy, sci-fi, and drama. And whatever your tastes, You'll learn about the entire filmmaking process from producing to special effects to meeting cast and crew. It's a bit like crowdfunding, but you get way more than a t shirt for your participation. Go to SizzlePitch.com right now to sign up or gift that cinephile in your life something truly special. On top of the introductory launch pricing, use promo code FILMCAST for $100 off one sizzle project that's promo code Filmcast f-i-l-m-c-a-s-t at SizzlePitch.com, making independent films with you
0: all right jeff anything else we're watching
2: well i had a chance to finish up uh white lotus season two on HBO. oh yeah i think both of you have done that i know dave you've been doing a uh, watch along podcast decoding this television mm-hmm. show correct yeah uh weekly um and I was, I was a big fan of White Lotus season one. Uh, I was very excited about season two. Uh, I did not expect, but I'm delighted to report that I enjoyed season two even more than season one. Wow. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, more focused, uh, more interesting, had even better characters, and had a much more satisfying ending than the first one, uh, in my opinion. I thought the last episode, I won't spoil anything, but I thought the last episode was darkly comic <laughs> Uh hilarious. hilarious unexpected. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, wild. Uh just a just a a real crescendo yeah. on the season.
1: We're really using Jennifer Coolidge to her to her fullest capabilities, yes. too. Like just such great she's stuff. She's so her. good.
2: Oh man, she's so good. Um and I wonder if we will have any carryover into season three. If she, of course, she was the, would hope the so. one character that carried over from season one to season two. I wonder if I, I like that idea, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, I like, like, let's let that, that be the transition. Between like, have seasons, one, like have a one daisy person. chain.
2: It's yeah, daisy chained, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. season to season, like so there's one character that you see the next step of. Uh, I I, I mm-hmm. hope that's the case. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, man, I, you know, the game of White Lotus in both seasons so far mm-hmm. has been. We know a murder has taken pre- or a death has taken place, li- likely a murder, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know who, we don't know how, and we bodies. don't know when. You
1: opened with bodies, yeah. We, we know
2: there's somebody, someone, somebody, somebody going to die, <laughs> but we don't know <laughs> the circumstances. And the the game is that the show continually, continuously. Uh, teases you mm-hmm. as to giving you really good reasons as to why someone might kill someone else <laughs> yeah yeah and, but it's such a swerve that person's not the one and, and know, you're constantly doing that over and over
1: honestly in the first season that felt like Mike White um, who has done you know he did um, Enlightened for HBO and has been like making stuff for a very long time it felt like he was even poking fun at the sort of like murder mystery stuff Mm. and the true crime stuff that, you know, has gotten so funny. And, uh, yeah, he, he just kept it going the season. Even when he talks about it, he's like, you know, maybe I should have just had dead bodies at the beginning of all my shows. That's what people (laughs) want.
0: Yeah uh i did not like uh, season two as much as season one but i thought the finale was just great event television you know it's yeah. like it's a thing that everyone's talking about it the next day and people have all their theories and stuff like that rewards close examination yep um absolutely. so overall i did i did quite enjoy season two of white lotus but I, I did find it to be like season one i thought was just so efficiently and effectively packaged you know as mm-hmm. a as a very sharp satire and commentary on you know rich people and yeah. uh, season 2 definitely had a lot of that material as well it just felt a little bit messier to me personally it there's it, no and there's no armand uh-huh. no in season 2 there's no armand Equivalent like well, force. There's there, there's
1: new layers new characters I'm always interested by, and yeah. I think that's what the this season gives us more characters. But I'm intrigued by all of them mm. in very different ways. So that that was kind of my big thing. Uh, it does it does go bigger. It go, it, they have a higher budget. They can yeah. leave the resort. You know, yeah. in this season. <laughs> uh well, there's there's no, also not COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not COVID. Right. Exactly. No COVID yeah. restrictions
0: as much. Yeah. So yeah,
1: um, and uh, I I like pretty much everyone in it too. Like uh, it's it's just it's, it's a great character like F. Murray Abraham is having a blast yeah. here. And uh, Will Sharp, the guy who plays the sort of uh, the the tech bro, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, Aubrey I'll Plaza's be. husband. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Ethan, Ethan. Yeah. yeah, Ethan. Aubrey Plaza's husband. Remember that show Flowers? I think you talked about it, Jeff. Flowers? Several years ago.
2: Oh no, was a british show
1: he he is a british it stars olivia coleman so i feel like you may have <laughs> mentioned it but it, he is a he's a tv writer he's a director huh. and so seeing him in this thing um is just kind of fun too i think he did a great job
2: it it, it occurred to me that it, it feels like season one was about wealth inequality mm-hmm. and season two was about sex and yeah. sexual you know the sexual dynamics of of various Mm -hmm. stripes and i thought Mm -hmm. i thought it effectively was so and i I just had it was i I hope this show continues i i don't know if there's been a season three i hope they give him
1: more time because mike white basically is like okay well you got another year between the huge success of the first season to to do this you know to write and produce this one so i hope he maybe gets a bit of a break i don't want this to be a true detective situation but i I agree i I love it
0: there will be a season three and i'm actually honestly more worried about it than you jeff you know yeah um because uh, for, for, yeah, he ha- he did write and direct every episode of season two um and i i do worry we're in a true detective situation mm-hmm. also he has promised that season three will be about i think eastern spirituality mm-hmm. and uh the people of color as depicted in what the white lotus is one of the weaker parts of the show in my opinion so absolutely um, so i'm really pretty worried about season three to be honest well but there's we, certainly
1: we, a lot to explore about like white culture appropriating eastern you know I, spirituality i hope so i hope I it like comes that, with that is comes that, with that, that is where, that is yeah. his like intersection of yeah. like huh it's really annoying how
0: we are aren't we so yeah, it's ahead, already Jeff, beat,
2: it's already beat uh, True Detective though because season two True Detective was a disaster.
0: <laughs> it's true, That's yeah. true. Although <laughs> no. season four looks like it's going to be amazing,
2: according
0: <laughs> to what I understand. I'm not even joking. It serious. does sound good. So. It sounds fantastic. Yeah.
2: Why is there a cast announced? I haven't seen.
0: Yeah, I think uh, isn't it Jodie Foster? Isn't it right? Oh,
2: um,
0: nice. and season three was good. I feel like it was I kind of important, but I like season three. So yeah. s- season four is, uh, yeah, J- Jodie Foster is going to be. Um, and uh, Callie Reese are going to be the two main detectives. So that, that, that in and of itself is going to be super interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. So anyway.
0: Um, I hope, so yeah, I hope I was... they
2: find that guy who eats people. <laughs> <laughs> Another
0: one? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's White Lotus Season 2. It's streaming on HBO Max for now. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. But We should just end see... every HBO show. Yes, like exactly. Precisely. <laughs> precisely. All right. That is what we have been watching. Let's do some weekly plugs real quick. Weekly Plugs, the part of the show where we plug something else we've been working on. You know, uh, there are few joys to the life of a podcaster, Um, but every now and then you can pluck someone out of obscurity and put them on a big stage and give them some fame and notoriety for their awesome work. Um, That's what I'm doing with a new podcast uh, series I'm hosting over at the Decoding TV feed with a, a host named Christian Spicer. Christian Spicer, as far as I understand, has never hosted a podcast with anyone of note in his entire life. Um, so I'm so That's grateful. That's about to change. To, <laughs> that is about to change. I'm so grateful to be able to give Christian Spicer a chance to work with somebody who has accomplished literally anything in the
2: podcasting space. I thought you were um, gonna say it's it, it's a few choices to pluck someone from another place and <laughs> and steal them away from a from a but, job uh, they've been on for nine, almost 10 mm, years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But in all seriousness, Christian Spicer, uh, the co-host of the DLC podcast, which I really enjoy, uh, he is going to be co-hosting Decoding TV with me to cover The Last of Us, which is debuting on HBO uh, in mid-January. So oh, check man, it out. that's so
1: soon. Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: I know. Podcast.decodingtv.com to uh, listen to our preview episode, where we talk about five questions we have about the new season.
2: Well, so sadly, Hart- sadly yep. Dave, to, to bury me, you buried the fact that. Christian has actually hosted the official Last of Us podcast, yes. Yes. Yeah, which, am... which makes his bona fides for joining you uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty, 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 solid. pretty impressive. Pretty yeah.
0: impressive. Well, you know, uh, the biggest bona fide is that he was able to stand working with Jeff Kanata for nine years. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. And if you could do that, I mean, if you could, could do that,
0: you literally can accomplish anything. So uh, anyway, podcast.decodingtv.com, Devendra Hardwar, your weekly plug.
1: Yeah, sure. I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast where we talked about the best and worst of tech in 2022. It's a lot of bad stuff. Very few good things, honestly. I, I had a hard time coming up with good things. But uh, <laughs> we, we had a fun chat because uh, the entire Engadget staff can contribute to this. We also did our first ever Engadget podcast awards for... for We nominated basically the best or the worst overall thing of the year. So tune in for that. It was a fun uh, conversation. Very cool.
0: And Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. If you look... At the TikTok
2: for the film cast. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. you will, at, you, at the film cast on
2: TikTok. Yep. At the film cast on TikTok. You will, may come across uh, a clip from our Avatar The Way of Water review. And if you look at the comments on that clip, which has amassed tens of thousands of views. Yes. You will find a comment from Kingsley who says, what the hell... Was that goofy-ass poem at the beginning. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that goofy-ass poem was a limerick. And I'm here to tell you, you can get your own goofy-ass poem at cameo.com slash Jeff canada. That's right. I am selling goofy-ass poems for you, made specifically for you. Whatever occasion. uh, It might be a little late to get one in before the holidays. You could try. Hey, New Year's is a good time. Why not start the new year off with a, with a limerick for you or your loved one. Anything, any occasion, over 100 five-star reviews of happy customers and their goofy-ass poems at cameo.com slash Jeff canada. That is spelled, ladies and gentlemen, with two N's and one T.
0: And of course, if you want to support this podcast, I want to give a couple weekly plugs for the show. Patreon.com slash film podcast. Now I do have a uh, announcement around the Patreon, which is that we have recently switched over to subscription billing, which basically means that the Patreon now functions as everyone thought it should have all this whole time. Uh, Which is to say when you sign up on the like December 23rd, uh, to subscribe to our Patreon, you will not be billed again until December 23rd, the last, the next month. And some of you might be asking, David, why wasn't it that way the whole time? It's because it wasn't an option on Patreon until recently. So, anyway, uh, subscribe to the Patreon at any time of month now. Some people I know they wait until the first of the month. You know, they they save up their little the Patreon subscription till the first of the month. No need to do that anymore at Patreon.com slash podcast, Subscribe anytime to get ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who supports us. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you any financial hardship. Uh, if you want to support us for free, share this podcast on your social medias, leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. It really does make a huge difference. All right, folks, let's get to our review of Bones and All.
2: Dad! You didn't the cops get here you have to be good and gone i can't help you anymore
3: i know it's not your fault you were born this way you ate them i believed you had to i don't know why
2: i smelt you i didn't know i could do that
0: i thought i was the only one i don't want to hurt anybody famous last words this is the filmcast you are watching or listening to, and it's our review of Luca Guadagnino's *Bones and All*. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Marin, a young woman, learns how to survive on the margins of society. End quote. Pretty, pretty vague. Doesn't really do it. Pretty vague. I don't think that really conveys summaries. it. Missing a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Uh, okay. The finger hardware. You are a big fan of Mr. Guadagnino's work. I love Mr. Uh, Guadagnino, yes. Suspiria, Call Me By Your Name. These were like some of your favorite I love, movies. You know? Yeah. yeah. So here's my question. Did Bones and All live up to your uh, fandom support and love of uh, of Mr. Lucas films? I, I I think so.
1: Like You go into a Luca Guadagnino movie and you know he's going to be doing something interesting. And... I think with "Call Me by Your Name" and I saw "I I Am Love" is like much older. It's like a 2009 film, but I have always loved his sense of style and the way he's dealt with characters. Most recently, he's been basically been exploring um, coming-of-age stories, you know, young love in many different ways, or you know, young people fitting themselves into society. I think his Suspiria remake is better than the original. I think that's a tremendous movie. Um, So yeah, I, I think this one really lived up to my expectations because it is. He, he's never like trying to please everybody. It's a very unique sort of film because, yeah, it's it's about cannibals. It's a cannibal love story. And it also stars like, um, you know, Timothy Chalamet, the, the boy who everybody loves right now. And it goes harder on the like horror elements, you know, and the gore elements at times while also telling, I think, a really interesting story. I think Taylor Russell, who stars in this movie as Marin, is is really incredible. As a young girl who's trying to find her place in society, basically an outcast, um, and just trying to trying to find some connection to her past or something, and she meets this guy, and they they sort of form a bond because they are of a type. And I think this movie is just doing really interesting things, like how would a society of cannibals kind of have to exist uh, in in the real world, and how do these kids survive together? I think that's all pretty fascinating. And they run into people that I think take. G- take this like uh a I don't know curse or ability in different ways and I think they're all really fascinating too like there's some really fun um are really fun people who pop up here that you would not expect and we can maybe save some of those for for spoilers um but I, I kind of love everywhere this movie goes maybe as a love story it's not as grand as maybe the trailers and some things are trying to make it out to be but I also don't think it really needs to be I think it's first and foremost a story about a young girl trying to find her place in the world when she is quite literally an outcast and she has to eat people and how that affects her, I think is all truly fascinating. So yeah, love Luca Guadagnino. I think this
0: movie, uh, rules. Jeff Kanata, I am so curious what you think about
2: (laughs) (laughs) bones and all. Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think about bones and all is best summed up in the form of a goofy ass poem. observing these strange appetites for me offered few delights so much anguish and gore but i'd heard it before back when def leopard sang love bites
0: wow, wow. i def thought you Leppard were going to say reference. i'd heard it all before when i saw robin hood men in tights but- <laughs> or twilight <laughs> <laughs> <That's more thoughtful laughs> yeah
2: I don't. I don't know if you've watched that movie recently, Dave. But I don't think it really is very similar. <laughs> really,
0: um, <laughs> I, I remember a lot of cannibalism. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Mm. I, you guys
2: see cannibalism, but it, this movie certainly seems to indicate it's more than just cannibalism. It feels like it is uh, some sort of supernatural, uh, mm. supernatural occurrence. Mm. uh that is uh that is innate that is not well um,
1: it's a, it's a monstrous thing that makes them eat people so or, can, they, yeah. or they're like they're
2: like
0: mutants of some kind right. right. like, my they're like yeah. was there's, yeah.
2: it's more closer yeah. to being a vampire or a what exactly. yeah. yeah. you yeah. know um it's just not you know they they're cannibal eaters. monsters yeah mm-hmm. um perhaps my limerick was a a a little more negative than i feel about this movie i i did not particularly enjoy Seeing this and I know and, this is
1: not your cup of tea. It's not. My I cup was of
2: really tea. interested yeah. to hear what so you th- th- yeah.
0: Thanks for yeah. thanks for being Thank game you, to, to watch. It's though.
2: not my bowl of of entrails. You know what of I'm saying? Chili. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, it's not your bag of human hair
2: looks. <laughs> <laughs> now let, let's be honest. I do have a bag of human hair. It's just not this one. Separate. This <laughs> is not my bag of human hair. Um <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I think this movie is is very compelling and it is it is beautifully shot and executed uh it is uh, repugnant on many levels uh, mm-hmm. intentionally so uh and it's it is gruesome um and, f- and, and in that way i found it uh you know it, it as davinder said it leans into its horrors and its horrors are not limited to merely the cannibalism the the horrors uh are among interpersonal relationships that that crop up in the movie as well, um, and you know th- it is it is a compelling, uh, very watchable, very intense experience. It is it is a movie that I think is is well made, and I and I liked moments of it. I, I think there are moments of exquisite beauty in it as well, and as a love story, you know, it is a love story. As a love story, it's a love story. Uh, I just felt like for me the. Over and above just sort of the the repugnant tone that I found off-putting at times. I think this movie is most interesting in its side characters. Mm-hmm. I think the two leads are the least interesting people in the movie, uh, for me. Um, there are some really fascinating... It, you know, this movie is very much a road movie. There are, I love
1: everybody who pops up,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very much a road movie. We get like these... The, the abbreviations of states whenever we go into a new state yeah. you know, that pop up very prominently on the screen and it very much is this this road film where we're seeing new things we're having adventures we're going from state to state seeing new new things and every time we got to f- find a new pocket of weirdos uh it was i was like oh this is really interesting but we were th- with yeah. them very briefly yeah we're moving on moving on you know um and um I I, I wish that the central characters had they they felt to me like the the blandest version of you know, other than the fact of their supernatural needs, mm-hmm. uh their sort of love story did not feel um particularly special to me. Um what did feel special was their adventures, and I felt like the movie wasn't as interested in their adventures as I was. Mm -hmm. that their adventures were a backdrop upon which to play their love story. And Uh for me, the love story was the least interesting part.
1: I felt Uh, like the love story was treated as secondary to everything else, to be honest. So it felt like I could have used maybe a little more because there are they actually in love? Is this like a sweep you off your feet kind of thing? Or are they just like, well, I'm really weird. And you're right. really weird and you're the only other weirdo I've ever seen. And I guess we're like age compatible. So let's drift together <laughs> right. or something, you know, it yeah. feels, it feels know. very I, convenient.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I think I agree with Jeff that I think the movie is trying to make this romance between them out to be like an mm-hmm. epic one. You yes. Know? Um, a grand love affair. Yeah. A grand love affair. I, I do think it's, that's what it's crying for. Um, yeah. and I don't know that it fully uh, achieves that. Um, but I don't think it's any fault of the performers in my no, opinion. No, I'm like, not saying that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just,
2: you're right. Taylor Russell is, is quite she's, good. She is phenomenal. i would not yeah. seen her before. Is she in
1: things that I've seen? She was in, um, I didn't recognize her. There's that is movie she? that came out recently, several years ago um, Waves. She was in Waves and she was, oh, yeah. in she was awesome.
0: She was awesome in Waves.
1: She was in Lost in Space. Too, Lost in Space, yeah, the one. TV series. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, not I will say the other thing is that teenage love always feels like that. Right. Like <laughs> your first girlfriend, your first boyfriend like that. That. Oh, this is I'm going to be in love with this person for the rest of my life. And I I, th- I think it does maybe mm-hmm. also capture the banality of that, too. It's like, yeah, you just met this person. You know, you're you're not you're not in love forever. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe something more textured around the love
2: story would have been good. All I right. will say so, One, one oh, of my uh, sorry. I'll let you speak yeah, in just one second. Please. I will say uh, we'll leave it for spoilers for spoiler talk. But I will say one of my favorite actors on the planet is in this movie. <laughs> And is awesome, and every second he's on the screen is so Mm. interesting and cool, and I loved him.
0: So, this is my favorite one of Luca Guadagnino's movies that I've seen. Uh, I think it is probably one of his most accessible, accessible ones. Um, Mm -hmm. I it is directly trolling all the Timothy
1: Chalamet fans. Like (laughs) I I do feel like there there are probably trailers cut to this, which kind of uh, leave out the gore and stuff. It's like oh, it's beautiful. The poster makes a heart. It's gonna be a wonderful love story, everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, overall, I like this movie. Like I, I did enjoy it. Like I said, I think it's my favorite one of his movies. I don't think I, I I've seen three of his movies at this point, and I, I just don't know that like this guy is kind of operating in a vibe that's super for me. Like he he makes movies that I think function really well off of vibes. Mm-hmm. Call yes. Me by Your Name and Suspiria both have strong vibes. Yeah. But I didn't love like the stories or storytelling within those films. and uh, and that's less true here, which I think has like a pretty good story, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously has like a really compelling hook. Um, the things I like most about this movie are the world building. There's a handful of sequences that are just like, really, wow, that's a really well done sequence or shot like that's a really well like if this is a horror movie that would be like a well-done sequence you know Um, i think it is a horror movie yeah i'm not afraid yeah yeah i agree um and so there's a bunch to to like about this movie and i don't know that i thought it was like a a super great grand romantic affair but it's like it's like a nice sweet earnest love story between these two characters you know two lost souls who find each other and i think that that means something even if it's not like romeo and juliet i guess the stuff that's most interesting to me about the movie is some of those world building elements, right? Um, Specifically. uh, If you have a biological drive within you uh, that like by satisfying it hurts other people, you know, like, Mm -hmm. or destroys other people or is against the law or whatever, like what does that say about you or, or does it make it okay for you to then satisfy that urge, or um, are you still morally culpable? You mm-hmm. know, because you I didn't don't see, choose this, but you're right. still acting. I don't it. see a lot of people struggling in this movie with like, uh, oh, like you know, there's a little bit. It's not that there's none. There's a little bit of like, oh, it's so wrong. To I blah, mean, blah, I, th- I think
1: Taylor Russell's character,
0: I think oh the girl for sure, is always her the most, yeah. but like very few other people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk about that more in spoilers. But I just mm-hmm. like it's there's no there's not like they're not like anguish you know like if if um I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there i'm gonna put this out there if i had to murder someone to eat them i would probably feel bad about it for like a, at least like 10 years <laughs> okay well it's just gonna say, i'm just gonna put I'll, like for me that
2: 10 years dave you'd be having eaten so many other people by mm-hmm, that point. yeah mm-hmm. it kind of
1: goes that uh, but also it is it, it kind of describes like a natural urge to like should you, it is how you are built to be in a way, right. too, like, is your moral compass maybe a little different? What they do in this movie, too, is, like, I think they kind of, like, always make sure it's, like, is this person an asshole? <laughs>
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. Are they yeah, no, that's be true. better they're off, off to, without well, but them? I, yeah. They're, like, the Dexter of cannibals for assholes, basically. Well, Hannibal's thing was eat the rude, right? <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. was a constant rage for him, yeah. yeah. Jeff, it, exactly. does,
2: it, it does feel like, um, a, you know, a, a metaphor for right. all, all kinds of different you know, uh, things that that people are born with and uh, you know have the urge to do that society mm-hmm. has said no. Can, right. can uh, I
1: throw one out to you? Go, what about the urge to eat meat? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I I've heard um, that the the author of the original book like this is a veganism allegory, guys. Mm. Like this is we we you know we just talking about you and this you got to kill yeah. stuff to eat it, and we we rarely think about the suffering of yeah. the meat
0: that we eat. Yeah. Jeff, were you going to, sorry, did you have a
2: end to that point you're making? No, or? I mean, I, yeah. I, I do think that th- that is something we should explicitly say that I think it's, it's very much contextual or, or excuse me, textual, mm-hmm. um, in, in the film that, that this is a stand in for, uh, all sorts of things yeah. that drug
1: addiction, yes. like, like you know, homosexuality, you know, homosexuality looks, all the things yeah, that, yeah. that
2: society has, 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 uh, stigmatized and, mm-hmm. uh, that people struggle with internally and say, Oh, I'm wrong for feeling this way. Yeah. So, you know, I think the movie is very compelling on that level.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like, what, what would the norms around those people be? And kind of like all that stuff I thought was, was pretty interesting and well done. So, so overall I I, like, I did like the movie, didn't love it, but I was just like, yeah, this is pretty well done. Um, and there's a few more things that I want to talk about that I really liked in the yeah. spoilers. So when this movie we, goes it, hard, it is yeah. surprising. And I, I love yeah. those moments. It does too. go hard. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to spoilers for Bones and All starting right now.
2: Now you're looking for the secret. You're to
0: see this coming? No.
2: But you won't find it because, of course,
3: you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out.
2: Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. My secret
3: you want to be fooled.
0: You know, guys. This week, I watched a Luca Guadagnino <laughs> movie in which Michael Stuhlbarg gives a long speech to Timothy Chalamet about <laughs> self-actualization. Uh huh. But enough about call me by your name. <laughs> he is so good
2: in that scene. That scene is just so creepy. Uh, 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 we, got see,
0: we got to see Michael Stuhlbarg in overalls. And yeah. Dude, Stuhlbarg
2: playing against type is kind of my favorite thing. <laughs> yes. Like, it's so good. And it, so
0: therefore the movie was completely worth everyone's time. I and mean, the whole tension no of
1: that scene, too, is just like, oh. Uh, it's like when you're camping and somebody pulls up next to you, you're like, I should, mm, should we trust these people like there is a great level of tension throughout this entire movie but specifically that scene Hmm. and then he reveals that um what uh i I love the
0: idea that that guy is like a lackey and that guy's a lackey he's like you don't have to do this like
2: yeah so fucked up
1: he's a familiar man yeah yeah
2: and and he's a cop and so it's so wrong and Uh, uh, how how like disgusted that she is that mm -hmm. he would do it if he didn't have to Mm -hmm. you know uh, yeah, it's amazing. That's, it's a and, great moment. It's a great and moment. And yeah. by that, and that point in the movie, which is still, you know, fairly early on, mm-hmm. I still wasn't sure how supernatural we were getting so mm-hmm. when they pull away in the pickup truck, I expected Stewart to like super speed <laughs> after them. You know, it's I like... don't. So
1: that's why I'm not saying yeah, supernatural. I, I, I don't... They don't have powers. They don't have capabilities. No. They have. Well, they have the
2: ability.
0: They have the ability to like, sniff to, like, each sniff other. Each other. Yeah. Right? yeah. They can but, sniff like, each to, other. To me, it's not supernatural. It's just like they have like a genetic yeah. mutation. No yeah, way, dude. If you can yeah.
2: smell someone blocks away, it's wolves supernatural. can smell like animals yeah. can
1: smell each other. Like it's an animal instinct type thing. It's not supernatural. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, having uh, the having the ability of an animal is super. As a human being, is okay, supernatural. Okay, here's the question:
0: Are like X Men supernatural in your opinion? Do you well, know yeah, of course. Okay, well we just have different we just have different definitions of supernatural. Then you know, like Wait, supernatural. What do you, what do you consider X like, Men? Supernatural it's means
1: a, like spooky shit.
0: Yeah. yeah, like supernatural, like ghostly, ap- like the the meta realm. No, it's supernatural not
2: like, means beyond the natural, beyond the natural, above yeah. the okay, natural, yeah. not, right, right? Not contained in the natural form. But okay, again, okay. again, that's
1: okay. I don't think this movie, beyond that, like, I don't know, okay. there, there, there's not much supernaturalness other
2: than the no, uh, you're right. The, but that, I'm saying at that point in the movie, I did not know it. I was like, yeah. Are the are they are we gonna have a sequence where he leaps under the hood of the car and we're like in mm-hmm. line? I was no.
1: more stuck in that conversation. They were like, So bones and all, that's what bones and all means, and how does that work? Yeah, that's you fun. know, it's yeah, like,
0: like, do they just. Everything it
1: down, just right, yeah, the intestines,
0: yeah. the growth, yeah. like well, everything. You like take the yeah. feces out of the yeah, intestines yeah, yeah. For, do you squeeze you it, it out. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's,
1: <laughs> you could actually eat like pick intestines is a very big thing. Like you can yes, eat yeah. lots of places. Eat, eat, it, replace, eat I, it all the time. You have them all the time. Yeah, no joke. Um, so yeah, maybe you can make it work. But just I was still sitting with that concept. But I do love their <laughs> their getaway. It was just like
2: just we're gonna roll. We're gonna roll the
1: car very quietly, and then <laughs> Michael Stuhlbarg just comes running. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I like have that they're to both say, on the same page. It's like we got to get away from these yeah, fucking
0: guys.
1: Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we're weird. These guys, very
0: weird. Too weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew this movie featured cannibalism in some way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but um, I was still stunned by the opening sequence. The opening pre-title sequence. the whole finger. opening. The finger. The finger stuff. But also, like, the, she and her dad get to their house, and mm-hmm. it's like this kind of. Uh, trailer. It's kind of yeah, just it's like, like, a mobile. Like, it's yeah. like a temporary home. And you're like, huh, like, what's what's mm-hmm. going on here? Because, like, all the other he's houses sleeping on the nice. couch. She's in right. the room like, and he locks her she, in. He locks her yeah. in. I'm like, what's going on? yeah And then she goes to her house and it's like, oh, this is a nice little slumber party. And then she bites her friend's finger off. And the skin and... just peels
1: off the bone like a great <laughs> effect. And then he's like, "Okay, we gotta." He's <laughs> like, "Okay, okay we, gotta start a, we gotta we start go. a new life again." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, and um, also her whole thing was like, he just had, he, she's eighteen now, and he's like, "I can't do this anymore." And I kind of felt yeah. that both as a parent of like, clearly he spent her childhood and her early life like trying to deal with this when the mother didn't, and that took a toll on him. And he just says, "Enough," which is a very human a human move and i love that aspect of her just listening to that tape over and
0: over again it really it's a cool get, cool like narrative yeah. concept of like yeah. having the tape like narrating things mm-hmm. you know? um we have the technology to do that today mm-hmm. with like voice memos and stuff but people don't do it as much because mm-hmm. it's you know i love voice memos that's why i'm saying it but because you know, I, I send voice memos all the time but um but you, i love you know the know kind what of i love
1: ad- you know what i love a voiceover as you're reading a letter <laughs> and this movie does does also that aspect like the whole thing where she finally finds her mom yeah and oh that was so harrowing it's it just Ugh. like it's a really narrow hallway for them to get in the camera slowly panning like over the corner You're like okay what's, that, what's going on here that whole yeah. sequence
0: like this is the thing all the Deeply stuff in disturbing. the first yeah. half of the movie I found I think uh, I'm on the same side as Jeff I feel like, like that's the latter half but yeah that was probably at the two thirds mark mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. when she meets her mom yeah um but like the first two thirds of the movie, I thought that stuff was all gold. Like gold. Me like the opening opening Sully's sequence. my new
1: favorite guy. Yeah. O- opening
0: sequence. The Sully letting the old woman die. Like Michael Stuhlbarg in the woods, and then meeting Incredible. Chloe 70. Like all that stuff was just like wow. This movie's like going from strength to strength. Like yeah. And they they get to Chloe 70. The whole reveal of her Ugh. in the room is, is dark, and then she's like
2: no the, hands. The, the
0: nurse saying like oh time for me to get the letter, and it's like oh okay what's going on here, and then she gets the letter. And then it's like you know, basically, like I've prepared my whole life for this moment that you are witnessing now in the movie, uh, yeah. and then she like attacks her, and it's like this really it's it's both an effectively directed sequence from a like horror you know terror perspective, but also mm. like this idea that that which you seek the most, yeah, which is like acceptance and understanding through a parent mm-hmm. is just not there, you know yeah. and and that's a very potent idea. It's it's emotional. Um, like, yeah, there,
1: there's a lot going on there too. So many layers. Also, the the mother is another person who's like everyone. The people we've met have dealt with this ability or this curse in different ways, right? The kids are trying, just trying to do what they can to survive. Sully says he's a scavenger. Never quite believed him. And the other guys are just like pure hedonists. They're just like, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna eat. Well, I like yeah. that. I like yeah. how... different
0: different slices slices. Yeah. So to and speak. And she just, so just like, like yeah.
1: basically it's she chewed off her own arms. So she wouldn't do this to anybody else. And just that idea of self-hatred
0: is, is powerful. And that she's been suffering for like all these years too. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Jeff. What were you going to say? I
2: was going to say, I I liked how, um, I think Chalamet's description of of his first time. Um, uh, even Sully's description of how he just discovered it and, uh, our main character in, in each case, there's a parent who's, Instinct is to protect them, yep. even though they are this horrible thing, um, or mm. perceived as there's as this something horrible beautiful thing. in
1: that. Yeah,
2: exquisite. And 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 to me, that that resonated with this notion of, you know, this this thing that that, you know, someone is born with this thing, and they are this st- still someone's child, right? There's mm-hmm. still this, someone's child, and there's love there, and trying to protect and care, and not understanding, and not being able to relate, and not being able to deal mm-hmm. with that i found all that stuff exquisite and it it relates to that you know this this cannibalism as a metaphor for something that is inside us that we don't know how to handle that society says is wrong and bad yeah um and i found the movie most effective when it when viewed through that lens and that's part of that is why i found all of the the gore and and sort of gruesomeness to be more off-putting because i wanted i wanted I wanted to like these people and root for them, and I could not. Mm -hmm. I could not. because people you
1: love sometimes do awful things. I feel like that's, if you have a member of your family who's an addict, like, you will probably encounter some awful things, and you still have to find the love in there, and I found, it. Yeah. That part of it is just very fascinating. That, that um, is the cha- yeah. that is
0: the challenge of the movie, though, right? Yes, like, that, that is the challenge of the movie: is can you these people you who are love doing these murderers? Yeah, can yeah. Can, you, can you who are doing these abhorrent things? Can you? Yeah. Um, can you still relate to them or can you still root for them? Like the, if, guy the, from the movie's the like a, the movie's like a challenge. It's like challenging yeah. you: can you do it? Um,
1: do you love Timothy Chalamet. How much do you love Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> um, that
2: carnival are you willing guy. to eat him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure some people would be Uh, but that (laughs) carnival guy sequence was just like, Oh, this guy's being a dick to kids. He seems like a good, good idea there. Um, There's just so much going on there too. And they discover, first of all, there's that, there's that sequence where I'm like, is this character also exploring his own sexuality in a way that is, is kind of interesting to him too. And then they discover that, uh, that he has a family. And to me, that's like, yeah, that's Marin's thing of she's, she's more worried about the cost of it
0: and doesn't quite know how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's and yeah, you're, you're right. You see, like Sully, he's like, "Oh, I want to. I wait for people to die." And like, they're they're trying to choose people who um, don't have families, you know. Like, so it's not mm-hmm. like they haven't put any thought into it at all. But I think fundamentally, they accept that, yeah. hey, we need to eat people. Like, it cost the business. Yeah. You know, they just they kind of like nonchalantly are like, "Yep, this is a thing that needs to happen." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, that was a great sequence as well. Another great sequence of the first two thirds of the movie is like with that whole scene with the carnival person.
2: Um, I thought was really well done.
1: We have not talked enough about Sully, and I don't want to close this review. Yeah, yeah, no, we got it. Mark
2: Rylance, dude. Mark Rylance Rylance
1: in his tidy whiteies, leaning over, face first, just get getting (laughs) entrails, getting skin out. Like I've always (laughs) loved this
0: guy, but here's here's my big issue with this movie Mm -hmm. uh, is my big issue with Bones and all is if you do need to consume human flesh, bring a frickin' wet nap a bit you, you know because you see tell. people like you see people having eaten feasted on human entrails for most of the movie and they just like leave all this like blood <laughs> and sticky stuff all around the, it's like that's, that's, that's part of the that's part be, of the fun just, just like because you're a can,
2: that's like me and waffles you just know? because you're, <laughs> i got syrup everywhere baby but that, just because that's because you're a cannibal
0: just because you're a cannibal doesn't need mean you need to be a slob do you know what I'm saying? That's all. I feel like that—that like like that, that is an essential <laughs>
1: element of being a cannibal. If you, mm. when you're going to eat crab or something, like I don't know if you guys have go to crab boils or anything, but <laughs> yeah. oftentimes they will like you sit down. They wrap a bib around you yeah. because they know you're going to be a slob, and this is a yeah. place where everyone is a slob. Therefore, it is okay if you can become a buttery slob. And mm. yeah, it's just like let yeah. your id go crazy, yeah. my friends. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. Rhyland Ra- says like, I, I let you, I let you see me dry or something yeah. like that like yeah. the blood that dried something. on him yeah,
3: yeah. Mm. that
2: needs something mm. to her mm. credit though there was that one sequence after they eat the dude uh who has a family she mm-hmm. had she's just like i got i got napkins in the car you can clean up yeah. She yeah. does say that so. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah she gets on the she, wet napkin. she's, train, she's basically
0: the audience surrogate you know she's the only <laughs> one she's the only one who has any decent morals but okay the the movie ends with mark rylance finding her uh and, and chalamet and you know that's the part of like they're, they're having things. such a, hu- yeah. they're having such a like lovely domestic life together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if I'm to interpret whatever the movie's trying to say, it's like that they, basically like these people who have this need are basically cursed, right? Yeah. Like there's, <clears throat> there's nothing they can do to ever yeah. overcome that need and live a happy life. Yeah. Um, it's a very sad, depressing story and message, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really well executed. I thought, and it, yeah, it's a terrifying sequence with Rylance, like overpowers her. Um, Great horror movie sequence of like, okay,
1: she knows something's wrong. She sees the bag, sees the hair bag, and he comes out
2: of nowhere.
0: When, <laughs> when, when, if you're on a date oh. and a guy pulls out a hair bag, that's mm-hmm. when. Uh, and, you know, oh, the
2: fact go. that like it has the blonde hair from the sister—it's just so messed up. Yeah, Ugh. so messed up.
0: But okay, Jeff, you're a big Rylance fan.
2: I am. Uh, I, so I hated the end. I
0: was R- like, Rylance was great in *Bridge of Spies*, in my opinion. I did not enjoy his work in um don't ready look player up, one and don't look up already player one but yeah. i thought he was pretty solid in this movie um this is kind of he's a so creepy great. creepy like incel kind of guy right basically yeah, anybody um,
1: who yeah. refers to themselves you know in, in the third person i think is, is just yeah. david creepy.
2: david doesn't like that david yeah. doesn't like that. <laughs> he's had a hard yeah. life sully mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. know he's been alone a long long time his,
1: his teeth like early on when you see his teeth, just like the construction of this character and his look and his oh, get up and everything is just
2: how he talks. Ugh, yeah. All of it. It's great. Like that great weird walk that he employs. Yeah. Like it's all so good. <laughs> so well crafted. I mean, that's not how Mark Rylance moves. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah. I just watched him in a movie. I don't think you guys saw the, um, the one where he's the, uh, the, the, um, Makes the clothes Uh, just just saw this year. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, The The, recruit,
0: no, no, not the recruit. Um, The outfit, the The outfit. outfit, outfit, Yes, thank you.
2: Um, And he's like the most refined English gentleman in that, like Mm -hmm. you know, his ramrod straight posture and and just everything is refined, everything is perfect. And here he is, this complete. It's so great. It's just he's amazing. Um, But you know what? Nobody's talking about this movie. What, Jeff? So. Uh, Call me by your name <laughs> has army hammer in it. Yep, and isn't the reason that we all don't like army hammer because he eats people?
0: No, he's he's done other bad things. He, as well, he's too. done very. Uh, yeah. gross,
2: but like, then the, the, the film. That's,
1: that's like one the, element of the army hammer sandwich. The of, guy uh, who uh, worked shit.
2: with yeah. army hammer. Yep, goes on to make a movie about eating people. I don't know. I'm just saying.
0: I can't believe we have to end the review on this. Um <laughs> it's ruined. Okay, the final shot of the movie. Uh pretty pretty interesting, pretty cool shot. Pretty pretty cool idea. This is kind of wistful pushing into the shot of the two of them uh mm-hmm. half naked on this alive. hill alive yeah and yeah. kind of like like flash- this- flashing
1: back to an ideal moment when things were good,
2: you know.
0: It's kind of you know I, I kind of I kind of can dig a good closing shot that's very mood setting as opposed to storytelling right like I,
2: and you know? I think that's why we are meant to think that this was a transcendental love that yeah this exactly was... it's because yes. of that last shot
0: it's because yeah. of that last shot yeah yeah mm-hmm. which you know may or may not have fully fully achieved for us I it got it got some of the way there you know for me mm-hmm. but yeah. it wasn't like oh
2: the love is so heartbreak you know I mean it I got, wanted I, them to be good. Yeah. I wanted them to be okay at the when they were like yeah. oh let's quit this. This whole going across the country murdering people thing—you know—you know—honestly, what this movie reminded me of? Natural born killers. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like the closest that I've ever seen to this movie. But anyway, um, like like let's abandon our our going across the country murdering people thing and just you know settle down. Yeah. You know, boil up some some livers uh, and pretend they're human. Buy mm-hmm. some
1: offal. Awful- yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And you know, you you root for them. And then, of course, uh, (laughs) yeah.
1: I do want to shout out two other people. Andre Holland plays her father and I think does a great job, especially in that tape voiceover. The guy in the overalls, by the way, is David, director David Gordon Green. Yes. Director of the Halloween David Gordon
0: Green. Okay. okay. Just (laughs) love everybody popping up in this movie. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Amazing. All right, folks. Um, Yeah. Andre Holland, he was in uh, Moonlight, right? He was the guy in the diner in Moonlight, right? Yeah. Amazing. All right, folks. Well. Uh, I think overall we like the movie here on the podcast and at the end of the day it's really impressive that Luca Guadagnino made a movie alright let's wrap up you can find more episodes of this podcast at filmcast.com. email us at, slash filmcast at gmail.com. our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight check out his new band Varsity Blue our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross next week on the podcast we are going to be discussing Babylon New Babylon. Damien Chazelle movie, and our hope at this point is also to do an After Dark for Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Um, it, kind of our last bit of award season movies we're going to review before we make our top ten list for 2022. Very um, difficult. So I'm,
2: I'm I'm staring at my list of movies to make my top ten, and it is 20 movies. That's wow. I don't know the math rough. on that, but that's more it's than, than I'm year. supposed to have yeah. for t- mm-hmm. top 10.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Babylon is going to be the movie for next week. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this one. And I also have to say that I don't think there's any better movie to close this, this year out on uh, than Damien Chazelle's Babylon. So if you want to hear us discuss it, stay tuned, subscribe to the film cast, share it with a friend. We'll see you later.